on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bankroll. Can't fold, that's a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Priscilla, and this is the show for the realists. Say goodbye to the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality. Guys, today we have an awesome episode for you. Uh, going to be a full-length episode. I'm going to get right into it. I got a good friend of mine who's come on the show. We've been trying to get the show together for a number of years now. Somebody I have a lot of respect for, uh, especially what they're doing, especially what they're about. Uh, I've got my good friend Pete Roberts here sitting in the studio. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. Man, Stoked to be here. Awesome to have you. If you guys don't know who Pete is, Pete is the uh, founder and CEO of Origin uh, and also Jocko Fuel. He's partnered with Jocko and good friend of mine as well. And um, they're doing some amazing things in business. And so we want to sit down and just have a conversation. Uh, DJ's on the show too. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? Yeah. So this would be a full length episode. Uh, and if you tune in other times, you're going to find out that we have multiple sorts of episodes, different kinds of variety, plethora of episodes, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, we have Q and A, uh, we have real talk, which is five, 20 minutes of me just talking shit. And then we have CTI, which is our current event show. It's where we pull up topics on the screen. We might pull up a couple topics today, if we get into it too much. Um, and then we make fun of them. That's what we do. So this is a full length episode. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of important things that are going on in the world and, and some of the great things that you guys are doing over at Origin. Uh, if you guys don't know, like tell them what you do, man, at Origin. Something that, that I've admired what you guys have been doing because it very much so aligns with what we believe here as well at First Form, which is <clears throat> very pro-America, American jobs, American products, top to bottom. Um, and while we are not completely made in America yet, you guys are. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I guess when you like distill it all down, you could say we're trying to bring the knowledge back and mm -hmm. the machines and rebuild America's communities that have been abandoned over the past, let's say, 20 years. And so... Uh, kind of without compromise, trying to build stuff in America, which we've, you know, took, took a decade to try to figure out. Uh, but now we're full-blown full making stuff in America from, uh, from the, the, the field in Texas and Tennessee Delta region, the cotton field, all the way up through spinning, weaving, knitting, and obviously cutting and sewing manufacturing. But on, on an American supply chain, which I like to refer to as the origin factory blockchain, which is a, a blockchain of manufacturing, which is all local, all the components sourced in America. So there's no greenwashing or, you know, there's no lies behind, oh, we're bringing this part in from here and that part in from there and we're assembling it in America. So it's just a different, a different way of approaching it. I'd say a little bit of a crime of passion. Hmm. Let's talk about that passion. What's yeah. uh, why? What, what, what got you interested in this? You know, I, I, I think there's a, I explain it as a market dynamic. So I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm 43 years old. Same. Yeah, same. same so age. we knew our grandparents. Uh, my grandfather fought World War II. You know, I listened to his stories about coming over here to America as a first generation Greek immigrant working in the, the Peabody tanneries in Ipswich, uh, in, actually in Peabody, Massachusetts you know, pulling tacks out of the leather hides. My, my great-grandmother working at the Lowell Spinning Mills as a Lowell Mill girl. And, you know, you hear these stories and although they, they're like, you shouldn't work in a factory, you should get your education, 
they romanticized about the the hard times, and it was always something in the in the back of my head. And then you've got like the Gen Xers, and we basically heard these stories firsthand. And then our kids, like I have kids, seventeen and twenty, they didn't have those direct stories or the direct experiences firsthand. They learned most of their information through you know a, a two by five screen. And so they've never really had any true experiences. They don't know where their stuff comes from. They don't know where their stuff is made. They don't even know who's making it. And so you have this dynamic of the greatest generation. They're dying off right now Mm -hmm. and they're almost gone. And their stories are left with us, the Gen Xers, the ones who right now are the next to step up and hopefully change the course of America. That's my goal, at least. Like, like, like this shift direction. Yeah. Let's let's make a pivot because if we don't, something we share in common, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. And so, um, Origin exists to to bring not America back to its roots, but the ideals of what this country was founded on. And of course, I'm I'm from New England, you know, and a lot of it kind of started there in the mills and factories. And I watched the mill shut down. Graduating high school, 1997. 1998, the Bass Shoe Factory shut down. The Hathaway Shirt Factory shut down. These factories, one by one, started shutting down, not just in New England, but across the country. So all of us, us here in this room, I'm sure, and folks listening, in some way have been connected to this. Uh, and, I, and I just think between the, the, the whatever politicians, the corporate raiders, ultimately, greed lives in all circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't care if you're right or left. Greed doesn't care. Uh, greed can hop around. It, and that's what happened is greed tore the country apart, sent, sent it and sold it to the lowest bidder. Mm-hmm. And we're left holding what? The past. Yeah. You know, and what does that do? Well, it drives all sorts of substance abuse, um, drugs, alcohol, depression, communities deteriorated people relying on the government to make decisions for them. And you just end up in a very dangerous cycle. So origin exists to proliferate a different message, a different idea that if we look back, we can learn, but we can do it a better way. And we got to take care of one another. So that's really the long-winded way, (laughs) the long-winded answer. Dude, I think it's spot on, man. You know, I think people don't think enough about, you know, I had this guy one time who I'm really good guy. He's very wealthy guy. Um, he's a tech guy and he's, he's from China. Okay. Uh, very, very, very smart man. Good man. Respect, a lot of respect for him. And him and I were having this exact conversation about how, you know, we are doing some of the similar things that you guys are doing in terms of bringing everything back to sourced here, made here, here, the jobs here. And that's very difficult to do in our industry because a lot of the ingredients that are made aren't made in the United States yet. So that's where we struggle. And that's some of the things that we're working to overcome. But he he argued with me and he's a very, very smart guy, much smarter than me. Um, He goes, well, look, man, you know, I appreciate that passion, but here's the thing. You you know, if you're buying t-shirts in Guatemala, you know, you can take the people here in the United States that would make your t-shirts and you can give them better jobs. And, and we, we got in this like argument about it because hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, dude, but here's the thing. 
Not everybody can do those jobs. And so what people forget is that simple manufacturing jobs are required for people to have purpose. When you're talking about, uh, you know, the drugs and the broken homes and, and, you know, like here in the Midwest, we got the, we got a meth problem, right? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of places in the country have it now, but those things didn't happen when people had shit to do and they could earn money. Right. And, and we've lost that in America because of what you said, because dude, these dudes that were manufacturing you know, when we were coming out of high school, they, they wanted to get bigger, bigger, bigger at any cost. And they sold our manufacturing to other countries. And then we were left with a class of people who were manufacturing class, hardworking, blue collar people with nothing to do. And dude, that's, that's killing our country. And people don't realize that. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't be a service-based nation. Like, and, and we really can't even be a nation that's a middleman. Mm-hmm. Like you have to make stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to have some type of resource that you turn into something to offer someone. And I'm not against um, trade. People think, you know, oh, well, Pete, maybe he's like a protectionist. No, I, 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 I'm actually like, I think trade is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we have to have trade to have, you know, I mean, the poverty level of the past 25 years has gone way down globally. Like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a big deal and trade is important in that mm-hmm. respect. But I don't think you should sell yourselves out and sell your soul. And, and, I, and I say like, that's where, that's where like greed comes into play for sure. But it, it's for me, like when I look at the people and if you look like in our brand book, origin brand book, you know, the first thing is we start with people, you know, and what, what that means is we do put people first. Not everybody, I'm a college dropout. Not, not everybody is going to go to college and not everybody wants to between the trades. And of course, there's not a lot of factory jobs now, but factory jobs are some of the most fulfilling jobs when you're working on something at the end of the day, you turn around and you, you look back and you say, man, I built that. I, I made that thing. But the cool thing is, is now in this day and age with technology, there's a, there's a relationship between the maker and the consumer. And our goal is to connect the maker and the consumer. Right now, there's consumerism without knowing who makes the stuff. And it drives fast fashion. It drives, you know, like throwing out, throwing out goods, landfills, greenwashing. Like it just, it drives this, it, it just drives something that we're not all about. And we're all about like build things to last a lifetime. We hope you wear it out. We promise it'll never fail you. So, now, if I have you, a couple products of yours, and I can attest to that. Yeah, awesome. They are well-made. Yeah. I mean, the, be, the, be, the best, the best made jeans ever, period. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's freaking awesome to hear that. It's the truth. And, and I just, like, if you walk through our factories, and we're, we're not as, as big as you guys, and this is, by the way, walking through this place, freaking inspiring, because I hope to do the same thing, build a campus for Origin, America's Future Factory, and the... And an old farmland in Maine, you know, that's the goal. That's the dream. And so like seeing you guys doing what you're doing is like just phenomenal. Well, I, I think we inspire each other. bro. Yeah. I appreciate that. So you've got like, if you walk through the factory and we are, we have factories in Maine and in North Carolina and about 500 employees and in Maine, you're going to see 60% of the employees, maybe even 70% are between the ages of 20 and 30. Wow. People walk in for the first time, they're like, 
what is this? I'm like, well, and I explained to them the market dynamics, the greatest generation, the Gen Xers, and these kids who haven't had any real experiences. When these kids walk in a factory for the first time and see something being made, like a pair of jeans or a hoodie or a pair of boots, and see these looms going. I got a kid who runs the weave room up in Maine. He's 24 years old. He's the only one with the knowledge to do that in New England. And he's passing knowledge on to two, two other 20-year-olds. Because the, the old-timer who taught him passed away a couple years ago, and he's the one that got us started. So like the knowledge is disappearing. And there was a guy uh, during the free trade in, in the 90s, you know, before the, or during the NAFTA, but ultimately it was the World Trade Organization, the WTO. And he sat there, I think it was in front of Congress, whatever. And he said, who the hell wants to sit in front of a sewing machine? He made a comment and a decision for the American people in the factories around America because of his worldview about them. Mm-hmm. That, that's, a, that's a judgment against the people doing the work. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, there's a lot of damn people that want to do the work. Not, not only that, dude, it's, it's, an, it's an insult. Hundred percent. It's a it's a, show, it's a mirror of the total disconnection of those fuckers up in Washington. Uh, I don't know how you feel about cursing, but oh, I good, good to go, my yeah. wife. My wife. <laughs> I, I'm the balance. My wife curses like a sailor. All right, and all I'm right. the balance. Okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's what they are. Okay, and they are totally disconnected from the working class. Like yes. they, 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 they. You sent me that picture of you flying in right? Yeah. Yesterday, and I'm. It's beautiful landscape here in the Midwest, and they call it the flyover states. Yeah, and they it, it's so disrespectful to the majority. People don't understand that's the majority of the of America. The majority of Americans are rural Americans. They are people who need shit to do. Yep, and we want to produce things. And these people continuously do this, man. And I don't understand when they're going to figure out. You know, Trump was on it a little bit. Like he started. He, Trump gets it when it comes to that. Uh, the American-made stuff, but like I never, I, I cannot understand. Like, is this just a thing where they're getting paid to do this shit? It's it's actually a, it's a slow drip of propaganda, and that propaganda started, you know, in the late '80s, the early '90s. After World War II, you know, we had um, it wasn't sanctions, but there were quote they called them quotas, mm-hmm. and so the U.S. had folks that would go around to every country and allow so much to be imported into America. The problem was with the instability post-World War II after the Allied powers, you know, Russia went back, they took East Berlin and the Allies, you know, we took, we took the West, is trying to nation build because it's really this idea of free market capitalism versus communism. And in America decided it would sacrifice itself. And, you know, someone's going to beat me up about this, but I have my perspective also growing up really, you know, in a, in a, in a very, well, uh, we hate communists here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Yeah, no, I mean, so it's, it's like you, you've got this post-World War II mindset, America trying to nation build. Well, guess what you do to nation build? You open up America for trade. We've got the biggest consumer base. We spend the most money. So if you open up America for trade and you let these countries manufacture, well, then you, you kind of have control over them. Uh, at least it's, they're on a leash, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they're not going too far into communism. And, and it's, just a, it's just a way to try to keep control. 
and you heard Ross Perot say it, you're, you know, like you're going to hear a giant sucking sound of your jobs and factories going south. Mm-hmm. Well, the WTO is even worse because it just got spread. And it's like, it's like we took the moral high ground and we don't know what's happening overseas and, and who's doing what. You can dig in and you can figure it out. But the sacrifice was the people and the communities. Our government, politicians teamed up with corporate raiders and they sacrificed the American people. And then they said, and you can't bring it back. And then I said, that's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. You can't because what you're saying is propaganda and you're living in a world 40 years old and I'm living in a world and I don't know any better because I'm naive enough to think that we can do this. And I think we have to do it, <laughs> man. We got to like, yeah, it, I don't, I don't think like guys in our position, and this is kind of getting off the subject a little bit, but I almost feel like our generation has failed to step into the leadership that it needs to, to preserve what's going on in this country. Uh, The good things that this country is representing. I mean, I know we've had a lot of interference and an abnormal amount of interference from our government. Um, But dude, it's our time. You know what I'm saying? And these old, these old people who are going to be dead in five or 10 years have sold all of our shit. They've sold all the, the places of American pride. Like when you used to go to a small town and you would meet people in a small town and they would say, well, I work over at the, you know, shoe factory yep. and they'd be, you know, but they'd be decked out in those shoes and their family wore those shoes. And like it becomes a sense of pride and community. And I personally believe that a lot of the reason that they are removing this is to demoralize our nation so that we can become a more, well, I I think the eventual goal is absolutely communism. But um, we we run into a situation where all of these things are getting removed. Our communities have no pride. Our communities are turning to self destruction. And when you have no pride in your community, how can you have pride in your country? Yeah. And, and, and to your point, like the communities and the factories, were the melting pot of America. Mm -hmm. People from all different backgrounds came together to do hard things together. And so there was kind of a a common and mutual respect. I I know it was imperfect. I've got old timers that work for me that worked in these old factories and I've heard the stories, but it was, at least people believed in something together and Mm -hmm. they were willing to, and they were willing to trust one another to have their back, to watch that machine, you know, like to, to, to take care of one another. And, and now we're so separated. It's almost like, and you mentioned Trump earlier, like, and he had some good policies. He just, from my perspective, he wasn't the best at uniting people. He led by a little bit by dividing people. Like I'm going to speak to this consumer base, which is great marketing, by the way. I, think, I totally on, agree with you. You know, but it's yeah. like this, but like, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk shit about these guys. And it's like, well, how are you going to get people to listen to you? If, if you aren't united, it's not a uniting message. I, I agree with that 100%, bro. That's a message that I've tried to communicate. I try to tell people, I'm like, bro, I really, his policies were great. And there's not a person that could argue that. Yeah. If you argue that, there's something wrong with your fucking brain. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, I also understand the flip side. Like when I look at like how the media was treating him and because, because dude, when you have all the fucking cannons coming at your face and nobody gives you credit for the great things you're doing, which he was doing great things, 
you have to brag. You have to attack. And they put him in that position on purpose to do, you know, to unravel what has been unraveled at this point. Constantly on 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 defense. But then yeah. you then you have, you know, and I and, and I'm I don't watch like television and I, I don't watch the news. Like I it just I don't think he, I don't think he had to do it the way he did it. I think yeah, if, he could have done it differently. I think if he would have, I think if he in hindsight, I think if he would have just spoke to everybody and been a true united leader, he would have accomplished the goal that he's been that he was out to accomplish, which was to uh, remove you know or drain the swamp, so to speak, to get rid of the establishment. And it's, it, it's, it, he might still do it because it looks like it's happening right now. I mean, maybe it's not drained all the way, but we fucking see who's in there. You know what I'm just, just keep him off Twitter. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> shit. But yeah. like, had he spoke to everybody, I think it would have accomplished the same goal that he was out to accomplish because you would have more people buy into his messaging. And if he if he could have been like, listen, and and of course, I don't agree with all of his policies, but the, there's some certain ones that affected me. Like, I want to make trade fair. I said when we started, like, I don't, I don't, I believe in free trade. I, I believe in fair trade, mm-hmm. actually. So, I mean, first of all, you got to get people to listen. But there's a there's a lot of like business sense there when talking about free trade and fair trade, and that if we're going to build and export something, and someone else is going to build and import something, there should be a fair exchange. It should be a fair exchange because what what screwed this all up is true runaway free market capitalism. It's runaway free market capitalism where there's no, it's not fair. It's, it's unethical. A, yeah, yeah, it's unethical. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to- That's gonna, what we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ethical capitalism. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that, and, and, and there, needs to be a, there needs to be a change to how we, how we talk about capitalism too, because I, I look at it in two buckets. I don't look at it as capitalism, communism. I mean, because I think it was Karl Marx who wrote what, Deuce Capital and then all of a sudden, people started referring to it as capitalism. It was just free market is what it was. It's free market and freedom is the key to that. And then there's communism, you know? And, and then this, this idea of capitalism, you know, this, this term kind of came in the mix and it gives everyone a finger to point at as capitalism, capitalism. But when you start talking about free and fair trade and ethical capitalism, like I said, greed, greed plays in all circles. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Greed doesn't matter. Um, but when you give greed a vote, the worst is going to happen regardless if you're in a society, a free market society like America, or if you're in a communist society like China. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's actually quite an interesting dynamic. I've been working on a film I was telling you about for yeah. a few years. And it's going on Netflix, right? Hopefully. We, we're, yeah. you know, I, I, we've, we've talked a little bit with Amazon. We've talked to history channel. They, they passed on it because it, there wasn't the right programming, but they were like, this is freaking phenomenal. Um, we're just not going that direction with programming, but I, we've self-funded this thing and we've been all over the world. I've got a, my exec producer, Steve, he actually is coming back from Europe after nine months there. He's been here for nine months, filming, interviewing historians, traveling, doing research, all, all that stuff. Um, and he's That's coming awesome. back this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, it was freaking incredible what we've discovered. And I'm trying to think about what I can share and can't share. But I'll share. I'll share some of some of some of this about about communism, and hopefully he doesn't get pissed off at me. <laughs> and in 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 capitalism and free market, and just to give some context, Steve, I apologize, brother. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm not giving the film away. But um, post-industrial revolution, industrial revolution, Manchester, England, was was where these agrarian societies and cottage industries moved from being farmers to working in factories. And it was like eight men in the factory could do the work of what it took 800 to do. And so th this city, Manchester, England, it's, it sprung up. There were some new inventions for machines and all of a sudden mechanization started. And the infrastructure they built in Manchester, England could not sustain the, the machines. It couldn't sustain what the machines needed to be fed. And you have this economy of America supplying cotton, that cotton being turned into fabric in Manchester, England. And, and there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stuff behind the scenes that I don't want to get into. But when you look at Manchester, England, it was the location that Engels and Marx looked at and saw the oppression of the people and the working conditions because free market capitalism, there was no human rights in free market capitalism. Right. It they was, made slaves out of these people. They made slaves out of yes. them. So slaves in America, slaves in England. It's taking uh, the worst possible example and making a judgment against entire right. market. And so, and so out of Manchester, England, you know, what came out of that was two things. Free market capitalism and from the same city, the ideas for the Communist Manifesto. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. these things happened at the same time. People don't realize they sprung from industrialized Manchester, England. And... And so you have this new idea, but now you have human rights, you know, you have Frederick Douglass over there. He's, he's, you know, which is an incredible story. Um, you got Abraham Lincoln fighting on this side in the U S trying to abolish slavery and, and bring people together. But industrialization and the free market is driving the whole thing. It's driving the whole thing. People always seem to self-correct when pushed far enough people will come together and there will be some type of rebelling there will be uh it just takes quite a quite a big push to make that happen because mm -hmm. people are people are scared for whatever reason but fr from that industrialization america started in this direction the free market building factories america's war machine and World War I, World War II, big time America's war machine. And then you had these ideas for communism go into Russia. Lenin was the first one to, to really put, it, put communism to play. It failed initially. Reading the Communist Manifesto and applying those principles, stripping the food away from, from his citizens to feed his Red Army, to go on his warmongering, murdering all the elites in Russia, Five million people starving to death. I'll, I'll take the free market and freedom over communism any day. Mm -hmm. And so what you have is you have a, this, this cycle of, how do I say it? This cycle of greed. It's a cycle of greed is what it is. And it's a cycle of evil. And, and it exists in both places. And it exists in both places. You, yes. you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Right. And it exists in both places. Like, and I'm not going to say like, uh, there's people that aren't happy living in 
in China or elsewhere. I know there's, there's happy people, you know, and, and I don't live there and I don't have the context to judge, you know, how they go through their life. And I think there's been generational, you know, some generational, let's say, um, I'll call it not brainwashing because it's their, it's, it's, it's their reality, but it's all they know. It's all they know. How, they how think can you it. explain freedom to someone who's never, exi- it's never existed in the front of their face? Exactly. It's like explaining a color to a blind person. Yeah, and there, but there's no upward trajectory. That's why they talk about, you know, that's what Reagan, when he said freedom's only one or two generations from from being extinct, it's because, and, and we're close to having that happen here. Yeah, we are. You know, because, dude, these kids now, and I'm not getting off the topic, but like these kids are 20 years old now. They don't really understand what real freedom looks like. And when they get to be 40, if the people like you and me and the people that are 35 and up don't step the fuck up, yep. we're going we're gonna to lose it. And it all because comes Because it'll, it'll rate... It, you, you you cannot explain it to someone it's too far removed dude it's in yeah. danger of being yeah. extinct globally yes yeah. it, 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 exactly and and it's and it's actually scary to be raising kids in this day yeah. and age but if we do not learn about where we came from we are going to make the same mistakes and because greed doesn't care greed always is there and and when you look at industrialized manchester industrialized america you know, all these folks who, who built the infrastructure of the nation, good or bad, good, bad, and ugly, because there's a lot of ugly. They did something. Communities were built around the mill towns. We had the westward expansion that they call the flyover states. It's the, it's the, it's the states that are actually feeding the hardworking Americans. Um, you know, those blue-collar folks getting up day after day. Morning, 3, noon, 3 30 in the morning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, Going out in the freezing cold, grow your fucking food. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's, we're in danger of, because we don't make things anymore and because our communities are broken and because, because people don't have purpose, we're in danger of losing it, losing it, really losing it. You know, and it mm-hmm. starts with, and I'm, I'm not against uh, all social programs. And I, I like to tell people like, hey, Listen, in 2008, I lost everything, and and I and I had to like lot, everything except for my home actually, yeah. and barely shit. I didn't have anything that. then. Yeah, I so, didn't have anything to fucking lose. Yeah, <laughs> well, it wasn't much, but it was it was a lot. And like, man, I went on state health. I went on state aid for six months, like oh, healthcare. Bro. I went bro. on healthcare for six months, and I was like, I have two young kids. They're freaking both under five years old, and you know, and it, and it, but it was it's supposed to be aid. So it's that you bridge, can get back on your feet. It's a bridge of a gap. Yes. Yeah. It's a bridge of a gap. Bro, there, listen. I Not told, to be abused. No, exactly. That's, that's the point. No, see, people hear, like when they hear people like you and I speak, they, they, they draw conclusions to say that we're against social program. No, dude, I'm not against that. Like there's, there's, there's people in this building who I know for sure have had to use those aids to bridge gaps who grew up in that situation where their family had a death or uh, unable to provide, or there was a situation where they needed that help. And there's lots of people of all races that need that assistance. This is not a race thing or, or it, dude, sometimes shit, it just gets really fucking hard. And we have a duty as Americans to take care of our fellow Americans. And that's what those programs exist for, yeah. but they don't exist for, uh, you know, manipulating the program to get more and more income and yeah. you not doing shit and sitting on the sideline of life while everybody else produces and pays for that. Yeah. That's the most anti-American shit that exists. That, that's the danger of it. It's like when, it, when, when you're more incentivized to stay on it, you're not incentivized well, to get off of it. Yeah. We all know the that danger. they are incentivized intentionally yeah, to stay on it. 100%. I think that's what 
what's scary is like I, you know, when I was growing up, I I grew up in a a, a, a one parent family, and you know, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. four four <laughs> kid four kids, you know. So I mean, you you know about those government provisions, that oh, government yeah. cheese, man, that big block of cheese. You know, my mom was on, you know, she was on welfare for a while. She ended up going and getting her degree and then her master's degree. And like the last thing I wanted to do was be part of the cycle. Mm. Like I had so much motivation to, to not to leave where I came from, but to just improve my life. Like I, I saw my friends, parents and the success they had. And I was like, I remember, I remember I was, uh, I was working at a ski mountain and I used to go up there before all the yuppies. Out east? Uh, yeah, Sugarloaf up in, yeah, okay. up in Maine. I used to get up there. I call them yuppies. All the flatlanders used to come up and I used to scrape the steps going up to the mountain, you know, and they'd show up in their nice cars and, and all that good stuff. And I remember just thinking like, why am I here and why are they there? And if I want to be here, what decisions do I need to make now to get there? Dude, you know what's funny? I'm, now that you're speaking about that, I'm, I'm like starting to remember some of the things that like I thought about too. You know, like it, people, because we talk about greed earlier, they think it's greed, but it's not actually greed. You can take it's, all my shit, man. I'll leave it, I live in a damn teepee. That, I don't give dude, a shit. Listen, I am an enjoyer of nice shit. All right. Everybody knows that, especially when it comes to cars. But here's the thing. That, that was only part of it. That was like, that's the part we talk about. Like when I talk about, cause a lot of people shit on material success. I'm not one of those people because I know how motivating it was for me. However, the main driver for me has always been that I just didn't want to be fucking broke. Yeah. I didn't want to be one of these people who had no options, who couldn't make choices, who had to be told what to do. I, I'm not good at being told what to do. I never have been. Yeah, same so, way. Yeah. So like I, I just wanted to get myself in a position of, of financial freedom. You know what I mean? And it was more fear-based than, like, than it was like greed-based for me. And I think, I think that reflects in, in how I operate my companies now because a lot of people walk in and they say the same thing that you're saying, you know, they're, they're saying, holy shit, this is really cool. And you can feel the vibe and all that. But the, the reason that all exists is because we actually give a fuck about these people. You know what I'm saying? And we run our company in a different way than, than what these greed companies, how they run their company. It's a different type of capitalism. Yes. It's, a, it's very ethical. We, well, that's what D, DJ and I talk about this all no. the time because we do all our 75 hard walks together. Yeah. And uh, we talk about fucking everything, right? Yeah. So we're talking, we always talk about, you know, it's not pure capitalism that's good. It's an ethical capitalism where the entrepreneur, me, you, we feel responsible for the lives of the people that we employ. And so we work to create the opportunities for them to grow. I just did a mm -hmm. Q&A show. I don't know if it's going to air before or after this show, but I just talked about this. On, on, we, I just recorded it an hour ago about how this company for me stopped being about me a long time ago, like a long time ago. Yeah. It's now it's about all these people who come in here every single day and have invested their lives and continue to invest their lives, I want to create lives for them. I want to give them the opportunity. And that's, that's the problem with pure capitalism is it's not that. Doesn't take people into consideration. No, fuck no. They look at the people that work for them as a line item yes. and they say, these people cost me X. Oh, well, the lines don't add up, so we'll just cut 50% of those people. And that's how most businesses are run yep. at a big level. And that, 
and I want to ask, this is one I've been dying to ask you, yeah. but it also, I think this is why we are seeing, I'm seeing this in the, like in undisputable data numbers that people are turning away from Globocorps back to pro-America, pro-freedom, non-woke businesses. Um, 100%. Yeah. I mean, dude, do you, do you, do you, I've been talking about this shift for the last three years on this show where people are becoming more and more aware, uh, you know, of woke culture, of, of the, the irresponsible capitalism, the, the, you know, and what's fuck now that I'm talking it out, it's so weird because these motherfuckers push this woke shit talk, talking about how they can, how, you know, it's not fair and this and that and this, but they're the first companies to lay off 50 fucking thousand people when things ain't right on the books. And they're going to then turn your attention elsewhere. Yeah. That's like that. That They're so full of shit, dude. And I, and I actually call it like, I say, okay, well, there's, you know, there's this extreme, you know, kind of like they're calling it the wokeness, but I, I actually say there's an awakening happening. I agree. So there's a, there's an awakening happening. And if we don't wake up, there's going to be a great reset. Do you, do you feel do you feel that the trend, like, are you seeing that too? Yeah. People want to be part about? of something meaningful. Yeah. Because every and, time I talk about it, Pete, bro, people are like, oh, bro, that's fucking bullshit. That's not the way it is. I'm like, dude, I'm on the ground. I'm telling you what the fuck I see. I'll tell you, I, I have, I have moved to Maine in the past year and, or come on board with the company in the past year. The, 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 our new VP of product for Origin came from Under Armour. Our, our guy for, that does all of our demand planning, 17 years at Under Armour. Uh, uh, our COO came from Danone, uh, Dan and the Yogurt Company. Uh, I, I, we got another guy, our, our content media director was the, was the CMO of another company. He, he came on board. And, and when I ask all of them why, it's because it's, it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. It actually, they want to be part of something that means something. And, they don't want to live in a world where they're not proud to raise their kids in. So they want to be part of the change, I guess, part of the awakening of sorts. And I think we've lost our soul a little bit too, as a country, but you know, oh, a lot. It, and I think it's been intentional. Yeah. A hundred percent has been intentional, but it's, it, it's, it's very scary to think about where we're, where we're at right now, but people want, it's not all just monetary decision-making. There's decision-making for people that has to do with, where they can live, how they can raise their kids, you know, what they're going to be part of for a team, and most importantly, what they're doing day to day and the culture they're going to be part of. And I, I say like when, when our, I mean, we have some workers in our factory in Maine that like have dealt with physical abuse um, and, and, I, and, and I won't go into some of the stories, but some pretty horrendous, some horrendous things. When they're in that factory, it's their sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And it's only their sanctuary if the culture is right. And when they leave at the end of the day, they can't wait to come back the next day because they're not getting fulfillment at home. Mm. They're getting fulfillment at work. And I think that that putting people first, like you guys do here, like you can walk around here and you can just feel the energy of the team. That is so important for the future growth of America. And that's the only way we're going we're gonna to change. If we don't give people a reason why, if we don't give them the why, we will not change. We're going to go deeper and deeper generationally into, in, into this 
dangerous dire- direction and of, of of no purpose no purpose no pride no fulfillment yeah no no pride in self no pride and we're seeing it yeah we're seeing it and we're seeing it propagated to us everywhere this is why we see them propagate the the 400 pound healthy person bro that ain't fucking healthy did you see the food pyramid yeah bro is that yeah, is that you, a real thing it, oh yeah i don't i don't know I, it was dude, like, it's so hard to tell you know, like the magical was. magic magic charms yeah and like frosted mini yeah. weeds and they put like steak last yeah i'm like oh dude this and can't the be attack real. on attack on meat bro yeah. like the whole attack what? on red meat is is totally it's a total fucking lie oh it's a total lie that's the propaganda but people yeah. believe it people believe it well but that's what i was I gonna think, ask you guys i'm like cause I, I feel like the the people the americans themselves I, I feel like they're starting there is a shift that's happening I mean, do you guys not agree? I mean, there, there we is, talk about no. It. I, I think it's what he said. I think it's the the. There's an awakening happening. Yeah, there's an awakening. And I think I think every single day, and I know this to be true because when we first started talking about this, DJ, mm-hmm. on in the beginning of Real yeah, AF, oh, yeah. we used to get a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I don't really get much pushback. I mean, I'm gonna get some you know regular troll shit, right? But I'm right. not talking like actual fundamental disbelief and pushback. There. People are starting to align, right. and I'm what I see now is I get I get people in my DMs saying, "Man, you know what? I thought you were full of shit whenever mm-hmm. I said this when you said this three years ago." But dude, I actually agree with you now. I yeah. see and cre- it. And by mm-hmm. the way, credit to those people. I yeah. appreciate that. But you know, I think more and more people every single day are totally recognizing that we are intentionally having our country, our livelihood, our traditions, our 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 pride. Everything that's made America great, diluted and destroyed intentionally for the benefit of people that ain't us. Yeah. Right. And we're, when I say us, I mean all of you guys listening. Every single, even the one, even you guys just listen to hate. I'm talking about you too. <laughs> listening to hate. You're, yeah. You're, I got some of those. Oh, but yeah. But, but you know what? You guys are still us. Well, you're on the team, whether you realize it or not. It's us and them, man. And, and them. They don't care about us. No. And we're in a situation where we're losing all the great things. Uh, like, bro, I, I, I was, you know, I bet you know this. Uh, and the, the listeners, I think, probably know I was sick, very, very sick yeah. for the last week or so. Um, and I watched Yellowstone, bro. It's like, a good series. Uh, yeah, so I started watching, <laughs> I started watching 1888. And then I was good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then I, and then I watched the Yellowstone series, which I'd already seen, but I watched it again because I, this is how much time I was down. Yeah. So I watched the whole 1888 and then Yellowstone and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm thinking, I'm like, fuck dude, that was better. It's a better, it's a better time. It's a better way to be. It's a bet. Like even the, the way they held people accountable was better. Like we have respect for each other. There was laws, there was order, there was respect, you know? Push my sheep up, push your sheep yeah. up on my mountain and you're getting hung. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We, I told you not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife has definitely been referred to at times as uh, Beth Dutton. Yeah. Well, so she's a little savage. Yeah. Well, that's probably real good for you, though. It is. Well, we've yeah. been together since we were 16. So yeah. we've, you know, it's good. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good series. And it's interesting. The, but it's, it's a total reflection of like the, of of what we're talking about like it, it's like the way they try to take they're bringing it, awareness to it though yes, they're using the yes, subject matter yes, to bring awareness to it yes which is, taylor sheridan the guy who yes. produced, dude that guy's a fucking genius he's a genius yeah he's a genius i he's a good I, actor too yeah, he's, yeah he is good it's it's like and that and that honestly is what we're we're trying to do with this with film we've been working on too is like 
how do you, you first of all have to get the person to listen. There's got to be a wedge into their psyche so they'll actually pay attention and look at it objectively. And so you can't, you can't come too hard. We were talking about like Trump earlier. You can't come too hard one way. You're not looking to wedge people apart. You're looking to wedge each individual just so you can feed them some information like, hey, just, just hear me out for one second. And if you hear me out, you're going to see that we're more united than divided. Mm-hmm. And, and, if you can, and if you can bring historical information into the picture, and if you can weave it together to show the unity between the groups, then I, I think you can change the direction of the nation. I, I say to people, like, if you took America and you, you know, flipped it vertically and you took Europe and you put Europe on top of America, I bet you landmass-wise or square feet, square meters, it's probably pretty similar. The problem is, is if you flip America that way, in Maine, it's going to be completely different than Florida because Scotland and Italy are very different. Mm-hmm. And the landmass of Europe overlaid onto America, you can see over the past 250 years how culturally America has divided, just like any other time and distance would divide mm-hmm. landmass. Mm-hmm. And so you can go through Europe, Italy, France, whatever, up to, up to England, Spain, up to Scotland, and it's different cultures and different customs and different languages. And in America, we're trying to keep this thing together and everybody looking at it the same. And, and, and we're actually not going to be able to do that. I think it's a, I actually think it's going to be impossible to get everybody to look at things the same. I think it's a, I think it's a losing bo- battle. Well, but- I, th- I think what we have to do, bro, I, I agree with that. I don't, I think there's a certain element, and I think it's small. I think it's, I think it's two percent or less of the population that are so far gone they're not coming back on both sides. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. On both sides. See, I'm one of those people though in the middle. Who's Me too. Probably, I'm in the middle. <laughs> yeah, who's probably so far gone I won't relate either <laughs> yeah. because, in my opinion, I think we need a completely new system. Yeah. And I think we need completely new leadership and completely new people, new ideas, youthful ideas. I I believe our tax code is way too oppressive bonkers yeah bro it's insane we're slaves to the government we just they just make us think we're not yeah and everybody is and when you take you know this is you know we had a revolution in this country over a three percent tax we we have we have a situation now where if you put if you and i actually tracked all of our tax not i'm not talking about our income tax i'm not talking about state tax i'm talking talking about when we go buy shit we can pay tax when we when to own shit we pay tax when we talk about adding up all those taxes, dude, every single American in the country is paying 60% plus taxes to the government in some way or another. That makes us all slaves to the government. That's not what this country was supposed to be on. And <clears throat> my personal opinion is that we need to get all of these old establishment fuckers out and we need guys like you and me and other men and other women who understand what this country is supposed to be about fundamentally. We have to ignore the 2% on the left and the 2% psychopaths on the right, and we need to fucking build something that actually works for people. Yeah, And that's, you know, I get labeled as a conservative all the time. I'm not really conservative, dude. I'm just, a, I'm pro-freedom. Yeah. I'm pro-America, and I'm, I'm pro not being oppressed by the government. And, when, and you know this, because you run a big company. If, if people, if you guys actually understood what it, how heavily our company is taxed to even operate, you, you it would 
it's a giant wake up call because people don't understand like I sell this product and then if I want to replace it with a new product because I sold this product, I got to pay tax on this product. Okay. And then if I want to take money, I got to pay taxes too. And, and the fact that we have to pay tax to add inventory makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah. It's all about regulating business and shutting business growth down and hindering it so that you cannot become powerful enough to challenge the ideas that these people in government have. And that, that's my opinion, dude. I, I truly believe that we need a fucking revolution in this country. And I'm not saying a revolution of violence. Now, it may require some violence. I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. I think it could still be done peacefully if... And I like, I, I like to say this saying a lot, personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. Yeah. If everybody begins to raise standard and everybody begins to take care of their own life, we, we start to become more aware. We start to become more knowledgeable. We start to realize where we're, we're hitting roadblocks in our system. That's the awakening. Yeah, it's, it's happening, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's happening, bro. And I think, the, I think the, as far as like the media to put out there, and the way like you're doing it and others are doing it is going to is going to drive that awareness that we need. Now I was talking with my son, I don't know, this was a couple of years ago. He was like 13. I've never talked to him about politics. I've tried to teach him like main things, be resourceful, emotional intelligence, doesn't matter who the person is, you're going to treat everybody the same way, you know, just mm -hmm. basic fundamental values. Mm -hmm. truths. And truths. Yeah, yeah. just truths. You know, and I remember him saying, Dad, my generation doesn't watch news, you know. And so we go and we seek out who we trust and believe. And he told me, and I've never like used the word liberal or conservative with him. He's like, well, my generation's going to be the most conservative. And I spun around. I'm like, what? Hmm. He goes, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be a very conservative generation. And I go, how do you even know what that, that word means? He's like, well, because I get my news on, on YouTube. They don't watch CNN, Fox News. They don't watch any of that bullshit. Mm -hmm. They literally go and find peers who they trust and they call bullshit on the ones they don't. Mm -hmm. And so you have this generation. He was, he was then like 13, 14. Now he's 20. You know, five years, 25. And they're like right behind us. It's on them too. It's, on, it's not just on us. It's going to be on them too yeah. to sort through the bullshit. I've you, heard I've heard this about that generation, bro. We've seen you, it, bro. And we've we've seen it. In which ones? And, and fucking we went to uh so we have a big fair here in Missouri every year. Oh yeah, the Washington, Washington Fair. Yeah. And and me, me and Andy went uh and, and we were out there and we're looking around, dude, and all of a sudden you just start seeing these like I'm talking about like like just healthy boys. Healthy boys, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sleeves cut off. They yeah. might have a couple of mullets or something like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But my son's got a mullet, yeah. But like you 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 see young men. And like, dude, we looked like we were fucking shocked because we were definitely expecting some something completely different. Yeah, I'll just say that. You know what I'm saying? But it was refreshing. It was refreshing to see. And these kids are watching you. They're watching you know, Jocko and and Joe Rogan and Goggins, and they're and they're listening, saying you should be, you know, you should be strong. Here's here's the things you should be looking out for. Here's the things you should believe in. And I say America has been the most unhealthy it ever has in the history of the world. And it's the strongest it's ever been in the history of the world. There's like two mm. divisions. You're either soft and weak or you're, you're hard and strong. There isn't. That's yeah. absolutely true. There's a divide. There's a great divide. And there's no in between. By the way, there's no yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah. By the way, yeah. the soft and weak ones, the ones that keep calling for violence. Yeah. No yeah. <laughs> which is ironic. Yeah. 
it's not fun getting punched in the face. I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, you would no, know you're black belt in jujitsu. Yeah. You're pretty much the guy everybody talks about. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful with that. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting to think about that, that, that the next generation is going to get their media from you. They're going to get their media from YouTube. And so we have to be careful of what we say. Bro, we, ha we have to be careful bro. of what we say because bro. the, 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 how, what you impress upon them, they're right, they're right behind us. And they're going to be, they're actually going to be our peers. And if we want to make change, they're going to be our peers in that. Too. Yeah. And they're so going to facilitate it. They're going to facilitate yeah. it. And then they're going to keep you, it going. Do you think that the reason, so I've talked to a number of young people, uh, I, when I, when I get, you know, cause with cars, um, I'm, I'm big in, in the car world. Yeah. And, and so I talk to, I get to talk to a lot of young kids cause a lot of the kids love the cars. And I, I always try to ask them like these kinds of questions, like, what do they think? Like, what, what do you think of, of this? Like, I like to ask them, like, what do they think of like, what's going on with the transgender shit and like all this stuff that's going on. And, um, the feedback that I consistently get when I ask them these, these socially, these social issue questions, <laughs> it is like, it's all the, it's always almost the same. They, they're like, bro, we see what they're doing. We want to fucking be like them. Yeah. Like that's the answer that they get. They're like, dude, you, you think we want to be like that? Talking about the generation, you know, that's 22 to 30 right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, there's definitely a, not to say that whole generation is bad. There's a lot of great, we, I mean, this whole building's filled with them. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I think. Like, what do you think? Well, I guess what I'm asking is, like, where do you think it? What, what do you think's driving that? Do you think it's just that that they're getting the news from these these people, and that's who's influencing them? Yeah, I think algorithms are driving it. You know, part of me, you know, I can conspiracy maybe. China's driving it. You know, China. China has a thousand year game plan mm -hmm. and we don't even freaking know what we're doing tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know, and how we like, if you have a thousand year game plan and you're, you're going to, you're going to go through, you know, 10 generations to get to your goal of running the world because that's their goal. I believe mm -hmm. like every little step in that process, like if I worked backwards, cause I didn't want to be that guy that I'm scraping the steps for. China's looking a thousand years out and working backwards and saying, what do we need to do right now? And I think that's a very real thing. I think owning the social media platforms, I think owning the means of production. So they own the means of production. So communist countries own the means of production, the manufacturing, and these free market countries own the consumer base. We're the consumers and they're the means of production. It's quite an interesting dynamic. Well, and now they're also... Uh, financially influencing all the PowerPoints of influence. Yes. You know, so like when you look at the owners of the social media companies or you look at the politicians, and this is why it's such a big deal for people to understand what the money that Joe Biden has taken from China. You know, people, people think that that's some sort of right-wing conspiracy bullshit. When they control the production and we're the consumer and then they influence all of the key points of influence by paying money, yep. it's very hard to do what we need to do here in america yes and and so these people that country and i'm not saying the people of that country but that country's ideology very much so is the enemy of this country yeah it is and it's a social it's an economic war yeah you know it it is truly i had a we had uh you know you can't get a lot of machines in america these days we try to get as many as we can but you know especially like old machines we rescued back in the day like we found this old loom that had been abandoned and it was from the 80s. It was an Italian loom. 
we had to buy a machine and the only place you could get this machine was China. This is maybe six years ago. And they sent over a, a, a person, a tech, to set the machine up. And he has a process he follows. And he's pro- followed this process a thousand times. He goes through this step, to this step, to this step, to this step. He went through this process and he hit a roadblock and it wasn't working. And we found him in the corner of the bunker. We, our, our factory is a fallout shelter against this you know, 80-year-old concrete wall in the corner with his head in his hands, like rocking and crying. And one of my employees went down and he's like, Lee, Lee, what's wrong? He's like, I, he's like, I can't get it to work. I can't, I can't get it to work. I can't get it to work. And he had no critical thinking. Have you tried shutting it off and turning it back on? Zero critical thinking. He followed the plan. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Zero critical thinking. He is doing what he is told to do. And, and we shut the machine off, turned it back on, and it worked. He, didn't even, he couldn't even think about thinking it through because he hasn't been taught critical thinking. He has been taught to follow the plan. Mm-hmm. And That's crit- a big problem. It's a big problem. We've got to be critical thinkings, and we've we, we got to be critical thinkers because America was founded on critical thinking, and we've got to be critical about the decisions we're making and where we're, we're spending our do- dollar and casting our vote. And I, you know, not to talk about COVID because I am so sick of hearing about COVID, mm-hmm. but the way, that, the way that things went with COVID and forcing vaccines on people, people were just soft enough, and I, I don't know, probably... I don't know if everybody in this room is vaccinated no, or not. Nobody I is. didn't get vaccinated. Yeah, I, we didn't either. I um, wouldn't excuse let my, me. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I, I looked at it objectively. I listened to the data. I thought about it. And the minute they told me I had to do it, I said no. Dude, mm. you know why? Because you and I have been long enough. Alive. Critical thinking. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not just critical thinking, dude. You have to have perspective to critical thinking. Okay, so you and I are the same age. We actually graduated high school the exact same year. People, I found that people that are above the age of about 38 were were way less likely to fall for this this fucking bullshit. And the reason why, the reason why I was able to see it, because people are like, oh, fuck, how did you you fucking know? And I'm, because I like to, you know, I like to fuck with people and be like, oh, dude, I fucking told you, you know, (laughs) but it was very easy for me to see. Because we've been through pandemics. You and I have lived through other pandemics. We understood how we operate during pandemics. You take the people who are uh, likely to be sick, the most vulnerable people, and you make them stay home. And when they first came out with the idea of we're going to quarantine healthy people, that's when I knew for sure this is bullshit. And and when they said we're shutting the country down for 15 days, bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "We, we do not do that. And then the mask bullshit we do not do that either and so the only reason i was able to see that is because i've been alive long enough to see how we did it before and a lot of these younger people they haven't been they you're you know your son who's 20 years old doesn't probably remember h1n1 or some of these other things that have happened right yeah yeah like and so we have to recognize that you know and, and by the way to your point of the critical thinking that is also an intentional 
narrative and it's an intentional program that they've been running in our education system. Mm -hmm. They don't want yeah. them to question anything. When we were going through school, bro, they taught us question everything. Yes. Ask questions. Be the voice of, of uh, contradiction. Play devil's advocate. At work through the options. That's not what they're teaching. They don't teach. Now they teach what to think. They taught us how to think. Yeah. And that's a fundamental difference between the generations that, you know, and, and the problem is, is it's very hard to communicate to that to people that, that aren't willing to hear it because they... <laughs> It's, they know what the fuck to think. <laughs> no, bro. It, you can't teach somebody yeah. something that thinks they know everything. Right. How, how can right. you teach someone that they're not thinking when they, when they have been told, because they've been told so directly that this is the way it mm -hmm. is. You, it, you can't break a barrier. That's why humility is so important to success. People think humility is living a meek life. Those are two different things. The reason humility is so important is because when you're not humble, you're unable to learn. And when you can't learn, you can't get better. And that's what we're dealing with with a lot with a there's a specific age bracket of of, of this country um, that has a hard time really understanding that they were fucking lied to in their whole time entire time in school. You know, and I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. I I think a lot of the I mean, I think a lot of the education, I the way my wife and I approached it with ours was like, it's going to have to happen in the home and you have to let them know you're going to see a lot of different things and hear a lot of different things. And you should challenge those things. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely challenge. Like when they told me when I was a kid, like, Hey, you can be anything. You live in America. You can be anything. You can do anything and you can stat, you can challenge the norm. I, I was naive enough to believe them. Me like, too. I was like, mm. yeah, I, I, I can be anything. Yeah. You know, like I, I bought into that idea. Yeah. I bought into the idea that the American dream was available and you, you could change your station in life and create upward trajectory for yourself by making good decisions and being a hard worker. Like I actually believed that. And that's what I taught my kids. I, I taught them like, I actually, I call, Hey, we're going to have a summer 97 when, you know, I, I have them put their phones down for a week or whatever. Like, Hey, it's summer yeah, 97 good times, dude. Yeah, bro. bro. Come on. I mean, I switched my Pandora station over to Smashing Pumpkins Radio. Oh, yeah. Bro, it's all the shit in our wheelhouse. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of, a lot of Nirvana lately. Yeah. It's all it's all it's it's like Smashing Pumpkins, uh live, uh fucking Sublime. Yeah, Green Day was, was Green, Green Day? Yeah, all yeah. of it, dude. It's all it's just I'm I'm listening to it, I'm like, man. I'm way less angry. This is amazing. It's like, I want, I want you kids to go build a fort. I want you to leave the sterno going and burn a forest down. Yeah. I, not literally, but like go out there and, and but if do you do, something. it's okay. Yeah. But if you do it, yeah, kind of, it's kind of okay. Like yeah. go experience life, you know, and get bumps and bruises and like feel like, like go out and see what it's like to live instead of like sticking your freaking head in yeah. this damn phone. And I'm the worst at it. Cause you know, I run a fairly large company from this device, bro same it's like and i've spent a decade on that motherfucking phone dude. And it's it's has it produced some really amazing stuff it sure has has it brought me some really amazing friends absolutely you and i wouldn't know each other if it yeah. wasn't for that no it's, but here's the thing it, there's a cost to it and you have to be aware of the cost and you have to be aware of what it's taking as much as what it's giving and and i think most of america is starting to realize that that this is a mind prison of propaganda and that for us to actually live a life, this has to at least be very limited in our, in our real life. 
it's fl- it's like the flyers coming out of the backs of the planes and littering the streets of World War II. Every country had their propaganda. You know, Germany had theirs. We're winning the war. Italy had theirs. America had theirs. And this is this is littered with propaganda. Dude, that's all it is. Yeah, you're not seeing what you want to see. No, you're dude, seeing, listen, what bro, to see. Yeah, seeing what started, they want you to see. When social media started up, like when it started to like become a thing for business, 2010, 11, 12, those, those times, that's when I really got into social. It was fun. It was a fun thing. Like you got on, you got to see, like I got to see Pete's life. I got to, Pete got to see my life. We, you know, people would bitch because like, oh man, I'm sick of seeing people's kids. Like, you know, like <laughs> that's the shit that it, people were, were, that's how it was. It, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. Now it's become this complete different thing, especially with COVID. And I think the good thing about COVID is that it accelerated the awakening that's happened. Yeah. Um, but dude, it's become this thing now where it's either people clout chasing and hating on people and they're, they're, they're taking away people. Like they want to bring others down to bring them up, which never works. Um, or it's serious, just propaganda from the government or from uh, the, the main media sources. Dude, these guys are getting smart. They're, they're, these, these propaganda machines, they're making fucking memes now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like these, they understand how to connect. Like a lot of the memes you guys see that with the data on it, that shit is total bullshit. And you guys post it without even thinking like, yeah. like, and this goes especially on the right. Like there's a lot of people on the right that do this. They will, because it's easy to do because it's what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. Right. The over-sexualization. Like people bro, think the kids, bro. but like even the attack bro, just on I the think adults. That, I think that Sorry. whole thing has accelerated yeah. the awakening. I, I thought that's that. what you were going to say earlier. Like you like, you know, first social media was cool. And I was I'm like, yeah, but then came the booty holes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because like, bro, it, it, you, it changed you're, it. You're witnessing the social degradation of, of society, bro. Yeah. Like it's just, you, you can see, you could see the morality collapsing. Mm-hmm. And like, dude, it could suck you in. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's the problem with it. And I think- but dude, I do feel like, like I like you know, I think people look at like that kind of stuff differently than they did even two years ago. Oh like, yeah. Like I feel like you know uh, the oversexualization of women is not it's not resonating like it did mm-hmm. two years ago. Like 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 men are waking up and they're saying, "Oh fuck, that's not a good thing." Like I shouldn't support that, and they're because they're realizing the implications for the the men behind them. And so, you know, like where, where, when I grew up, like, you know, bro, I wasn't a perfect, I wasn't like a perfect little angel, bro. I like fucking, I like girls and I like Mm -hmm. fucking titties and you know, (laughs) I like going to the strip clubs and all that shit. And like, so, so, you know, it started to become that way and you kind of start running wild with it. You're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is fucking cool. Like, and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is not good. Mm -hmm. And I think that that moment has come for, a lot of people in this country where yeah. we're like, oh shit, we've contributed to this in, in these ways. And I, I see people changing themselves to no longer be that person, which I think is what needs to happen. Yeah. It's a strain, very strained moral fiber. Yeah. It's stretched. It's fully stretched. Oh man. Can't get any worse, dude. They're, yeah. they're, it's, it's, it's with the kids now. Yeah. Now you see, dude, I saw a picture on Jimmy Levy's page yesterday with the, uh, that fucking dude holding a microphone like it was penis. his dick yeah. in the ki- like in the kid's mouth. Yep. Like, bro, 
like I, I'm to the point with that pedo shit where like like I feel like if we don't fucking do something about it, dude, we're complicit in it. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's it's be, like. <laughs> It, like I think it's time to fire up motherfucking wood chippers, dude. Yeah. And I ain't playing. Like I'm being serious. Send them in. Yeah. Like, dude, this will <laughs> never this figure shit, out who it was. This shit cannot be normalized. You know, we have prime minister, or uh, I'm not prime minister, government agency in fucking Spain sitting there. Literally, we cover this on our CTI episode. I don't know if you saw this clip, but there was a woman who, a government official in Spain, who was arguing that children have the right to choose if they want to have sex with a grown man or woman. That's being said in a actual official government setting in Spain. And that's where we are. And dude, listen, and, and people could take this however the fuck we want, but the reality is, is that shit, that shit's got to end. Yeah. However, to, and it don't matter which way, like you'll hear me say peaceful, about every other situation, but when it comes to this kid shit and these guys normalizing this shit, that we as men have to fucking stop it. Yeah, it has it, to stop. It, it's it, enough is enough. It, yeah, it's like you can only stretch so far before the thing busts. Yeah, and the elastic band has to snap back, and we got to be part of making that happen. Yeah, I mean that's how I look at it. I Otherwise, bro, like I, I don't know your religious beliefs, but I, I believe in God. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Okay, so, me too. Yeah, yeah. and. And dude, I'm to the point now where I feel like if I don't fucking do something about it, I'm going to have to answer for it myself. 100%. And, and the question is going to be, Andy, why didn't you fucking do anything? And I'm not, dude, it gives me chills to think about. It's, it's a whole nother subject, but the perversion of spirituality and it's, I've had some bad experiences, like, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, uh. I think I think America has lost themselves spiritually too, and I think that's a big part of the problem. Do you see it coming back though? I do. I it's, do too. What's interesting is I I actually have some some Catholic friends, which is interesting. And I didn't grow up Catholic. I I bounced around from church to church. My mom dragged me around to all sorts of churches. I got us kicked out of church. I, Bro, that's very similar. That's I, what we did too. Yeah, we went, I mean, we we we're we're a pretty much Catholic family on my dad's side, mm -hmm. but my mom and dad divorced and. So we went to Lutheran. We went to these different yeah. churches. So Free, evangelical, Baptist, yeah, Methodist, I got to experience a bunch of different ones. I, I didn't all. know any different. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, and that's probably where my beliefs today come from. Like yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I don't, I don't necessarily identify in anything other than a Christian. Yeah. And I believe in God. I believe in God. Jesus. Yeah. Right. So, and that, and that's, you know, I have my fundamental beliefs and principles, but I saw the worst of the man as the head of the church mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i i mean as a young kid i always i always felt like i could i could read people and see what was behind people's and i didn't know back then it was nonverbal communication i didn't understand body language back then i i think i just kind of had i had that growing up maybe because of my personality profile yeah, but you, you have a gift for it yeah 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 and in and, and so like when i was 13 i basically straight up called bullshit on the pastor and yeah and you know, like I but was like, this guy's full of shit. He life. got us kicked out of the church. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and my mom was good about it. She's like, "You're right, Pete. Like, it, you're right. It's in everything I've taught you, and you know, like he's countering that, and it's it's not okay." And so I I struggle with uh, I struggle a bit with organized organized church, and I I just I got some issues with it. And I I think the most important thing is you know for me is. A personal relationship so mm -hmm. absolutely you know i i um 
I think you're see you're going to see more young people see that there is you like being immoral there there's like as a human you're designed and there's right and wrong and there's good and evil and if you believe that there's right and wrong and there's good and evil then you have to believe that you know there's most likely a higher power mm-hmm. and if you work backwards you're going to find something i ultimately believe and i think more young people are seeing that and and going wow yeah i I actually, it's actually fringe to be a believer versus being a non believer, mm-hmm. which is very, very dangerous and very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm seeing, I've got some friends that are- It is weird. Yeah. It's it never is. been it's that weird. way. No. It's never been that way. Like our, my whole life, I mean, and you know, I feel like we have a lot in common in regards to our life experiences, but my whole life, bro, like it was, it was the other way. All the people that I that I knew, they all believed in God. Yeah, now they might have been you, yeah. degenerates, yeah. they might have been alcoholics, they might have been sinners, but they still feared and respected a higher power and yeah. understood it that there was there was something that they needed to answer to, which gave them a sense of structure for their lives. And and we're in a situation now where they've they've diluted that so much that you know I don't think it's a coincidence that most of of a certain age group is on antidepressant medications. I don't think it's a coincidence that when you poll these people, 70% of people say they're unhappy. Well, you can't be happy without a purpose. You can't be happy without belief. You can't be happy without a mission. You can't be happy without discipline. It's a requirement for happiness. And so they've removed all these things from our culture as things that we should strive to have and, and, and to me, it's very obvious why people are so distressed and why they're struggling so hard. And um, I just think that, you know, it's up to people, you know, you guys listening, uh, us, we have a very strong listenership here that, that, you know, it's up to all of us to, to set a higher standard for what's acceptable. And, you know, I know that I've made a lot of changes in my own life over the last few years um, because of what I've recognized, how how dangerous like i would say you know like dude if you talked to me three years ago or four years ago bro i was way more wild i was way more like liberal in my social beliefs like i had you know and i i just i've corrected that because i've recognized what it's caused in society and i've worked very hard to become a stronger better more morally sound human being if that makes sense because i realized that the example is important like you said earlier we have to be careful what we say and represent and things that I used to think were cool, I no longer think are cool at all. You know what I mean? And actually, there's some of the things that I look at my, my own character and feel the most shame and guilt about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I look back at myself five, 10 years ago and think about some of the things that I was, you know, thought were cool. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I probably fuck some people up with that. Yeah. And it, 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 but, but you know what? What can we do? We can we change, change your behavior. It That's change. it. Change yeah. your behavior. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a big part of like if 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 this nation turns to moralism and there isn't good and evil and it's just moralism, then anything goes. Anything goes. Yeah. And we ain't having that. Anybody's idea is a good idea, regardless of what it is, and that's what's dangerous. So yeah, I think more young people are gonna are going to look and figure that out depending on who they're listening to, but they're going to sort through the bullshit. Well, dude, who's the, who's the voices on the other side? I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, 
four or five voices on on this side of the line, right? Yeah. Like Rogan's a very strong voice. He's a voice of reason, I believe. Yeah. You know, Goggins is a very strong voice for discipline and development. Jocko as well. I think the celebrities are a voice. There's a lot of celebrities yeah, that are a voice on the other side. Yeah. I think, but I think they're losing power, dude. I do too. Respect. Yeah, I do too. I think, and I think, I think ultimately, who is driving the media, and then who's driving the algorithm is the voice on the other side. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know, man. It's not a. Did you have you been following those Twitter files? No. So so you you have you heard about how Twitter was manipulating the traffic. So yeah, basically, I did hear about that. Yeah, so for the election or, or oh, no, just in general. Okay, so basically no. what their policy was in a nutshell, we've covered a, a bunch of the Twitter files on the show. Um, basically what their policy has been, and one of the theories I, I've had for the last few years was that the resistance to like common sense belief was actually made up. Because I saw this poll in, 2000, uh, in 2020 um, when they were just talking about the vaccine uh, Mandates. being mandated. And there was a poll on Yahoo that, and this is when everybody was like, if you watch the news, if you watch the internet, if you watch Hollywood, everybody's like, vaccine, 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 vaccine. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, fuck, this doesn't seem right. I felt like I was all alone, which by the way, was the goal to make us feel like we were all alone. Yeah. And Yahoo put up a poll and it's, the poll was, would you go to a restaurant that required you to be vaccinated to enter? And it was, it was, uh, I can remember it was 81% said no. Hmm. Okay. 19% said yes. And that's when it fucking clicked for me. And I, wow. I even t- came on the show. Mm-hmm. We go back and fucking we, we find the show. Yeah. I don't remember what episode it was, but it clicked for me. I'm like, holy shit, bro. These motherfuckers are manipulating the fucking whole thing with, with tech. Yeah. And so what Twitter was, and, and I said, yeah. I went on to say this for years and got called conspiracy theorists, crazy, all this shit which is why I say I told you so, so much on the fucking, <laughs> it is what it is because I did. And what they were actually doing and what they have been doing and what all social platforms have been doing is they actually had their employees, okay, at Twitter with their progressive views going in and running bot accounts to make the far left progressive narrative seem far more popular and then they were censoring all the people who were against it. Propaganda. Yes, bro. That same poll cre- on Twitter was completely. Yeah. Diverse. So they created yeah. this. They've created this. Uh, this illusion that the resistance to what we all love about this country is massive. When in reality, dude, it's made up. Yeah. It's two percent of the population, bro. I have a progress. I have a cousin of mine who is ultra progressive. Okay. She even thinks it's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like when we first started talking again, bro, like she texts me and, or hit me up in DMs. And I even fucking straight up said, I said, look, I'm not in the mood to argue with you. Like, I don't even know why you're hitting me up. Like, we're going to argue. It's not. And she's like, actually, I've, I I actually want to have a real conversation. Like, it's like, she was very cool about it. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh fuck! Mm-hmm. I'm like reality is starting to set in for people because if someone who's that far progressive is starting to actually question, I I saw the hope right, yeah. and and now we're in this situation where people are seeing the fucking tech manipulation. So a lot of people are like, "Holy shit, bro! They made this shit up." And so these people, 
Like now they have to go all in because they, they've gone so far in. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? There's oh, no yeah. way to pull out. Yeah. So like, it's going to be interesting what happens. But I think, I think people are realizing that the common sense, and I'm talking about the 80%, man. I'm talking about the, the common sense people, the good people of this country, which 80% I believe are. They're realizing that we've been played. Yeah. We've been manipulated and we've been, we've been told a lot of lies and we've been told to believe things that aren't necessarily true. And we've been, we've been, we've been bullied into going along with ideas that maybe we necessarily didn't agree with, or we just thought were the way of the times. No, mm -hmm. it's not the way of the times. They're fucking manipulating everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything that we get to consume to make us believe that we're the only ones that believe in the regular, normal, everyday American mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, what the, if they, it's, yeah, it's, the, it's the only value that they, they left intact with American culture is the value of being tolerant. It's the only value they allow to maintain. Well, that's because they weaponized it. Because they need it. They have weaponized tolerance. <laughs> They've made tolerance the highest moral standard that mm -hmm. you can have, which is why people feel comfortable posting pictures like that one that Jimmy Levy and David Harris yeah. Jr. posted of this fucking thing with a microphone as a penis into a kid's mouth. You know, you, have you seen it? No. I'm oh, about to pull, pull it up real quick. It's no, real I bad. Seen it. It, that photo, if people will watch, if people will just look at that photo and just reflect for a few minutes, it would change. Everybody, everybody would fucking change their mind about all of that shit. It's, it's bad. I haven't seen it. It's, it's bad. I'm going to find this page. Like, it's so bad, I didn't even want to post it on my, on my story. Like, yeah. I was so pissed off, I just didn't even want to post it because it's so disgusting. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy when the, you know, I think a lot of the divide used to be like, oh, you fiscally conservative or fiscally liberal, or you socially conservative or socially liberal. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Bro. What the frick? Yeah, bro. That's, that's it for me, dude. That's it for me. Fire the fucking wood chippers up. Yep. <laughs> I ain't playing. Yeah. That, that every fucking motherfucker should be with that. That is not an ideology that we can allow here or anywhere. And apparently it's coming out there that that's apparently his, uh, his, his uh, surrogate son. I don't give a fuck. No, not at all. I mean, because dude, we just, there was two other, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Those two guys in fucking uh, that's Atlanta. That's what I'm saying. Just like, adopted those, those two gay dudes in Atlanta adopted those two boys and then we're pimping them out for sex to other gay men. Dude, this shit is, this shit is fucking, this shit is over, dude. It's fucking over. Like, it, like I am, dude, I'm to the point where like pitchfork shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I'm ready. Old school. Yeah, I, dude, I'm ready. Like I'm fucking Vlad the Impaler, their motherfucking asses. Like, <laughs> dude, unfortunately, people need to fucking learn a lesson. You know, there's a reason why uh, Vlad the Impaler put the heads of his enemies on stakes and nobody fucked with him for a thousand fucking years. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason why. There's a reason why they call him Dracula. Like, there's a reason why. And it's not because he was fucking nice to his enemies. You know, by the way, the, the interesting story about Christianity tied into there if you want to go research it. Yeah. Really cool story. <clears throat> yeah, I want to ask, what, what, so what do you think is the... Because I mean, get, just getting back to the whole story of origin, which I think is is beautiful and phenomenal. What what do you think should be the obligation of the American consumer from this point moving forward? I don't think they should be obligated uh, as a consumer of product 
I think they need to be, I think everyone needs to be obligated as a consumer of information. And if anything, they can learn that there is a different way and there can be a different model, you know, and just like there are, are seasons to, to life in business, you know, there, there are seasons to the direction our country goes. Um, and, and at the same time, things are, things are cyclical, you know, kind of what goes around comes around, but if they can arm themselves with information and learn from where we've been, that we can, we actually can change the trajectory of the country, you know, and we're, we're, we're hitting on some kind of hot topics today. Um, ultimately, ultimately for us, the, the, like the product is a, is a manifestation of that for someone who's kind of like believes that there needs to be change. Uh, when they decide to where they put their dollar, they understand mm-hmm. where it actually ends up. If you put your dollar, like I say, I say to folks, like, okay, you bought a pair of jeans, but if you did follow the truck back to the source, you're going to end up in a field talking to a farmer, a farmer who has family, you know, who's who's raising these crops, who's you know, who's living into his American dream. And on other instances, you spend a dollar and I'm not wearing everything I'm wearing. I think my underwear aren't made in America, you know, and my socks aren't, you know, I'm wearing I think Puma socks or something. Um, but if you spend a dollar and you don't know where it's going, you don't actually know what you're supporting. And so because of that, you're, you're choosing the moral high ground. You know, I wrote something for the film cause the in the film there's a lot of there's a lot of writing and it might end up being a limited series but it has to do with the idea that uh like slavery still exists today slavery actual real slavery one of my business partners and and advisors is a guy named kip falks and he he was the co-founder of under armor and he was the operator behind that business dude filled a five billion dollar a year company massive company and he says, Pete, I was one of the guys shutting the factories down and bringing the shit overseas. And part of the reason he's involved with Origin is because he's, I think, you know, it would be fair to say, and I don't think Kip would mind me saying this, trying to right some of those decisions, those some right some of those wrongs. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. He, he told me a story once about like going into, uh, I don't know if it was Cambodia or something, and they took him down this long path and into this jungle, and there was a building with bars in the windows and young girls inside. And he was just absolutely appalled and disgusted and he ended up leaving. And there, and there's a, there's a bit more to that story, but fundamentally because we are taking the moral high ground, we don't know where our money's going. You don't see that you simply moved slavery offshore. Mm. Yeah. Abolished in America. And because of our consumerism thriving, thriving in other parts of the world let's not even get into the slavery that goes into making all these electric cars these people are oh, buying oh yeah that that came out recently yeah. too right yeah i did see that so cobalt mines and yeah if you believe in human rights and human value which i do in total um then you should arm yourself and consume content to educate yourself so that you can learn and open yourself up to learning. I consider myself a lifetime learner. I love meeting people. I don't care who they are. 
you know, a lot of the old timers that helped us get this factory started were mechanics and machinists and, you know, and they have a completely different worldview. But, you know, like I like to learn from everybody I come in contact with and humility, you got to have humility to do that. And, um, and, and, and I, and I, and it's not something you can inject into humanity. You can't inject humility into humanity. But if you could find a way, if you have a voice to, to wedge in, to get people to listen, and maybe, maybe something sparks their interest. I have a person working on the film, and I'm not going to mention her name, but she's from Hollywood. And um, how do I position this? She's from Hollywood. And she's, um, she's very liberal. And the moment that she found out that, like, she had to like vaccinate her young son of like five years old she started to pay attention to what the other side was saying because she just felt this innate kind of reaction this like shot she shuddered when she heard that and she's like why am i being told what to do and 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 she was like extreme left Mm -hmm. you know she was like the two percent on the left Mm -hmm. she wasn't very center and she told me, she goes, so I started paying attention and started listening to everything so that I could make more informed and educated decisions. And she's like, and the other side isn't crazy. Both sides are a little bit crazy, but the truth lies in the, truth lies in the middle, but we should have the freedom to make decisions and I shouldn't be told what to do. Whereas before she would say, well, the government makes the decisions for us because they're the smartest and they got the smartest people involved and I trust them. So I think, I think if we can arm people with knowledge to make better decisions, at least understand the whole picture instead of half of the picture, um, we can affect change in a, in a major way. And an origin exists to be the tip of the spear on that change. You guys are. Yeah. You guys are. It's fucking awesome. It's something, I mean, dude, you know, I've expressed this to you a bunch of times. It's just something I, bro, you, 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 what you guys are doing and what companies like, like Origin and, you know, our company and other companies like that, that, that is, that is the solution. You know, we have to create this environment and it is entrepreneurs that will fix this. Yes. You know, something that gets lost in the shuffle is that, you know, entrepreneurs forget that. We set the culture for America because we set the culture where everybody works. And the policy. That's right. And the policy. That's right. Most people work in small business. They do not work in global corp business. They work in small business. And the small business owner who listens to shows like this, they will consistently, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Well, you know what you can do, bro? You can be very much so a steward of American values care about the people that you employ, be a responsible capitalist, take uh, into consideration where these dollars are ending up, how you're growing your company. Uh, Don't look at it as a zero-sum game of just making money because that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we as entrepreneurs have the ability to really make the change because if we make, because what I see a lot of this dude a lot of these small business people go along with like the big business cultural standard that they put down, yeah. right? Like, like a lot of these companies that are big and, and they, they're affiliated with groups like the World Economic Forum, right? The, the Coca-Colas and the big, big companies that put through these agendas, these social agendas down through their company. 
these, what people are failing to realize is that's intentional because they realize that if they put the social agenda down through the company, that the social agenda gets taken home. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's where the small entrepreneur can actually make the change by changing the culture internally. And so what they have to realize is that they can no longer just mirror what the big guys are doing and you have to do what you know to be right. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. And if every small entrepreneur, small medium entrepreneur, that's not on the, uh, on the affiliated with the world economic forum and these other crazy groups, if they just say, you know what, I'm done with that. I'm about that flag. I'm about the values of that flag. I'm about the values of the people of this country. If they did that and everybody did it once, that shit, all this shit would be over today. Yeah. It'd be over today. Because as entrepreneurs do, we control the culture. I think there's there's like two, there's two options. And I always looked at it for myself, two options. I can get into politics or I can build a company that can drive policy. Yes. And and I I I truly like thought about doing both and I still think about the politics, but I think I can be better building a business as an entrepreneur that can drive policy and make Dude, true change. I've had, so I've had a number of conversations with Jocko about this mm -hmm. because I, you know, I see what he's done, right. And like how he's contributed to this country, you know, as a soldier, as a leader of men. Um, and I have a great deal of respect and admiration for him. I look up to Jocko. Okay, for guidance. And, um, and when, you know, when all this shit was happening and I first started realizing what was going on, I almost became panicked. Like, I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing enough. And he said the same thing to me that you just said. He said, look, dude, he said, you're already fucking doing it. Yeah. And I, that's I, funny. yeah, I, I didn't get it. Like when he said that, I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? And he explained to me what you just said. And, and so like, then I'm like, and it still doesn't feel like enough. Right. Like, if, like, but it, but it, but it is far more effective than me going and running for office. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah. it's a, it's a supply chain of knowledge right. too. So like, if you look at like a supply chain of manufacturing or, or, or running a business, you're affecting all the hands, the truck drivers, the farmers, the people spinning, knitting, dying and everything in between your, I, I had a friend who did like a study and he, he had, he had figured he affected 25,000 people in one product he was making. Well, your supply chain of knowledge is you're giving people information, you're giving a product, and you're providing an experience, but most importantly, you're, you're helping them grow in their personal life, and they're going out, and they're having conversations with people, and that's, that's the supply chain. It's a supply chain of knowledge and information, and the more we can get it out this way, versus through mass media right. controlled by right. right now the world's elites i'm planning on replacing a couple of them yeah i'm sure you are too <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, and i'm serious when i say that yeah, like it's too. like driving a business that has can can drive true policy through lobbying through you know whoever whoever you know we decide to 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 partner with and whatever policies we decide to partner on for me it would be it would be fair trade, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be making sure that that trade again, I believe in free trade, but that the, the, the trade is fair and that we don't sacrifice Americans, American people, American hands, American communities. We don't sacrifice those things and we hold those to a higher standard because mm -hmm. we start with people. So yeah, hundred percent you're, you're doing it. What do you think? Well, so are you, bro. I mean, that's, that's, 
I mean, but that's the responsibility. Like a lot of the people listening, like this is an entrepreneur show. Yeah. It's not, you know, it was the MSCO project for years and years before it became this show. And the base is still entrepreneurs. And that's the biggest thing that I think they need to realize as well. Like you guys listening, you need to realize that you are the facilitators of this change through the policy and the culture that you have inside of your companies that your employees will take home. And it's okay to have people in your, like not everybody in this building agrees with everything I say politically or socially. It's okay to have discourse. It's okay to have conversation. Those things are healthy and they're needed. But the problem becomes when you are demanded to fall in line with one side or the other side. And that's where we have to be careful not to overcorrect, to uh, you know, be the opposite of what has been for the last 10 or 12, 15 years. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't know, man, there's a lot to fix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, dude, I think that what you're doing is a great start, dude. You Appreciate know, that. have you found, have you, so a lot of people say like, when I talk to them about, cause what we're doing too, like we're working on, like, you know, this, like, uh, we're working on building our own cut and sew and doing all these things yeah, too, which yeah. I'm going to need your help with. Just yeah. So, you know, uh, <laughs> you have the knowledge here to do that or, well, we're doing cut and sew, but we don't have our own plants. Yeah. So okay. we're, we're all of our garments and our t-shirts, everything. These are all, all our own designs. Most, the vast majority are now made in America Yeah, and we're moving towards fully made in America and yeah. with the goal of creating them in our own plants. Yeah. So do I have the knowledge to do it? Uh, no, but I do know someone that knows how to yeah. do it. I'm looking at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure we'll probably do some business down the road in that yeah, regard sure. as well. But the, the, um, do you, one of the pushbacks that I get on this is that, well, people like, just like the politician you mentioned yeah. earlier, people don't want to work like that anymore. I don't find that to be the case. It's not the case. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, like culture is number one. You don't have a culture, you don't have everything, anything. And you know that obviously like a culture is so important. And, and then the second thing is, is like, it's not number one usually isn't monetary. If you are on a poll, what, why do you do the job you do? They're not going to say, because I make the amount of money I want or because I get paid what I want. They're going to say something different. It's convenient because, uh, I get to put my kids on the bus. Uh, I, it's close to home. I love the people I work with. I love the mission behind it. Like I like there's there's all sorts of other reasons. Um so when you look at it, there are plenty of people mm -hmm. willing to do these jobs if you give them the why. And to your point, like people don't want to cut and sew anymore. People want to want to have meaningful work. Mhm. Mm you know, I was talking with Sal in here. He's like, I just love coming to work every day. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm working because the work's meaningful because you walk, at, walk out at the end of the day saying, I did something, I made an impact, I had an impact. Whether it's on a person, on a product, whatever it is, whatever, whatever part of the company you're working within. But we have people that get great fulfillment out of building stuff, sewing stuff, weaving, making, the whole thing. And that's never going to go away. It's never going to go away. Mm -hmm. You know, like not everybody's designed to be a doctor and a lawyer or, and to go to college. Exactly. It's just, it's just not the case. So we should, we should embrace it instead of fighting it. Yeah. Or shunning it. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of like the way we've gotten to this point is that those jobs, those, 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 uh, I don't know what you want to call them, I guess more simple jobs. Okay. Have been shit on. 
It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not respected, bro. There was a time for most of our lives, like you looked at people who work with their hands and you look with people who worked hard, farmers, construction workers, the people who actually provide and build the things in this country. That was, you looked at them with massive respect. There was nobility in it. Yes. And there, it was, mass. I was taught to, to respect those yeah. people. And I, 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 I was made to do that work when I was young. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for people like that. And that's a big cultural issue right now is that you have an entire generation of people that think, like you have Hillary Clinton calling those people the deplorables. Yeah, yeah, I, I, did, I did see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, these are the people that fucking feed you. Yeah. These are the people that shelter you. These are the people that give you all the conveniences that you then turn around and use to criticize them with. Yeah. Like, we have to get back to an America that respects working class citizens because working class citizens, and I'm talking about blue collar citizens, are the citizens that provide everything great that we all enjoy. The everything. Sh the shrinking middle class has actually going to be our downfall. We're, and then we'd be no better than uh, newly industrialized Manchester, England, where you have the peasants at the bottom and, and the elites at the top because you have no middle class. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, middle class is- Well, and they're trying to convince- they're trying to convince the, the the middle class that they have pushed into poverty over the last three yes, years. Yes. They're trying to convince them that people like me and you are their enemy. Yeah, I know. We, we you and me are the the elite that, yeah. that that the elite tries to present as the elite. Yeah. Right. When in reality, bro, me and you are boogers on the nose of those people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, <laughs> we we are we are with the peasants. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that has to be something that's understood as well. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of propaganda there. Dude, what all sure. products are you guys making then? So we... Because um, you, you, you started with jeans, right? Well, we started with jujitsu geese. Okay. And we basically spent, you know, eight years making the best, you know, geese in the world. Because the only, the only jujitsu geese you can purchase actually are from Pakistan and China. And I don't think people really realize that. Like, if, if, you're, if you're wearing a, a jujitsu geese that's not origin basically it's it's made in you know it's made by communism our shit's made by freedom built by freedom mm -hmm. so um we came the best at making jujitsu geese and then we decided like okay this is much bigger than us and it's much bigger jujitsu and the market for jujitsu is a small market and we had a mission to have a, a larger impact and do something special and build america's next big brand um clothing, apparel, sportswear brand, but on 100% American supply chain because it's actually never been done. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we, what are the two hardest things that we could make? Like the two hardest things and most meaningful to America and it's like denim and boots built America and so we need to make denim and boots. Footwear because our community, that's what died off when fast shoes shut down and all the shit got moved overseas. All those people out of work, they knew how to make footwear and denim because Man, who doesn't love denim blue jeans? It's the cornerstone to humanity. Yeah. So um, we knew also that if we could figure out how to make those two things, we could make anything, literally anything. The stitch types, the, the fabric, you know, the way you got to handle the fabric and the machines you got to run them through. So we, we make denim 100% made in America um, without compromise. And, you know, and we make footwear, but we also make a lot of other things. T-shirts and badass like fleece hoodies, and then of course we 
we have a, a whole hunt line too, which we launched. That's cool. You yeah. guys are working with Cam Haynes on that, right? Cam, yeah, yeah, yeah Cam, yeah. 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 That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So, so that shit looks good too. It looks yeah. good. Yeah. Bro, so, I'm over here looking like Alex is about to be pissed. <laughs> about to go shopping right now. Yeah. And, and the other idea is like, um, there's another, there's another idea is that we, it's not just keeping it local for the, for the community. It's keeping it local because you're cutting down on fossil fuels and emissions and you're building durable product that someone's going to have for 10 or 20 years that, you know, counteracts kind of this global issue on, on waste. Like, I think we're all, we all are looking at how wasteful we are as a society. Mm -hmm. We're very wasteful. So when you, when you can tighten it down and, and, and you can kind of compact your supply chain, then you create visibility to that supply chain. It does speak to the baby boomer, the Gen Xer, and it speaks to the next generation, and that's the market dynamic. Mm-hmm. Is we're kind of filling the void for all of those folks, all those age groups when it comes to you know building an apparel brand. But the Hunt line has been phenomenal, as you know, Kip's vision. Really, I just follow him on that. But the the textiles we developed that's kind of cool how he how he's uh, how how he's guiding that because. He's doing it the opposite way they did it at Under Armour. Yes. At Under Armour, they did sportswear, then outdoor. Yeah. Now you guys do an outdoor, and I'm sure yeah. the other thing will come later. Yeah. We've, we've talked about it for sure. Yeah. We, we're not there yet. We're core to we'll have that. Let's have that here. conversation. Yeah. yeah that's that's my wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, Kip's a, Kip's a savage, man. That dude, I don't know if you've ever met. He would be mm-hmm. a good one for this podcast. Oh, bro. I'd love to have him. He, 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 I'd dude, love to he, meet him. He's a savage people don't realize like i remember when they came on the scene dude under armor yeah because like a lot of people a lot of people like you know the younger crowd now they just think of like under armor as like another nike or an adidas but like dude that's not how it was they they were a major disruptor like out of the blue oh yeah and they came out with these amazing shorts that felt different and these amazing uh the tight fitting football shirts. yes yeah and it was and because i was still playing football when they started hitting the scene yeah i was too and and uh and I, I got their stuff. I'm like, dude, this is the coolest shit ever. Yeah. And after that, bro, I became an Under Armour consumer. I yeah. started buying their shirts. I started, you know, and they did things differently. And uh, I remember like, I remember when I first saw their uniforms on the, uh, on the Terps. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. uh, on the Maryland Terps. Yep. And, and cause I was playing lacrosse too. Oh, you played lacrosse? Yeah. That was my main sport. Really? Yeah. What'd you play? I played attack. Oh, you did? I play long stick. Nice. Yeah. My son plays at Bentley. Yeah, that's He's, awesome, uh, He plays lacrosse at Bentley. Yeah. My daughter's trying to play in college, too. Yeah, but, I played lacrosse in high yeah. school. And then, uh, we, so he, out here, it, now it's pretty big out here. But when yeah. I played, it wasn't very big. Gotcha. It was abnormal to play. Yeah. And um, we used to go to East Coast once a year. Yep. To play the East Coast schools and Had we fun man, with that, bro. Fuck, <laughs> bro. We were East Coast. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> bro. We played this school. Uh, we played this school at in um, in Baltimore. We went oh on this Baltimore no, trip. yeah. We oh. played the school called Calvert Hall, and they beat us like twenty seven to three. Yeah, and like it got I mean, how many points are one one score? Uh, I don't I just, I was just hopes, Oh no, so. bro. And I played long Damn. stick. Okay, so like <laughs> these dudes, they scored twenty seven goals. I'm fucking running my balls off the whole fucking game. All right. all right. I got to the point where I was like, fuck this. I'm getting ejected. And I just took my fucking long stick and smacked this dude on the head just so I could kick the fuck out of the game. So I was tired of running. Oh, yeah. Because they were so good, dude. And I mean, they were nice enough guys. Yep. Like after the game, you know, they they had a barbecue. Like, you know, they were nice to us. But man, they were fucking. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. It well, was brutal. Kip, 
Kip played pro lacrosse. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was the lacrosse. He was a lacrosse player at Maryland. Oh, cool. And Kevin, his partner, Kevin yeah. Plank, he was a football player. And so uh, they started it out of Kevin's grandmother's basement. And so Kip was wearing the first, you know, kind of the first shirt. And then he went on to play pro lacrosse too. And he kind well, of repped the brand. But like that dude literally was the one cutting, stack cutting the shirts and heat sealing the shirts. And that's so cool. Like his story, and, and hopefully you can have him on, but he could tell I would it. Love to have him on. He literally bought an old factory and like drove out with a U Haul, loaded up. They got a house in Baltimore. They put all the machines in this house and they started sewing stuff. So it's a it's a very like uh, linear story, you know, to to origin. The only difference is is their 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 goal and their dream wasn't to build an American company. Their dream was to build a brand that went head to head with Nike. Yeah, that was their goal. Yeah, they did that, and they did that, and yeah. you know, and they had twenty factories in America mm -hmm. before he decided to shut them on down all down and outsource it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I and I think he definitely holds some personal feelings well, about how that learn, went bro i yeah. mean that's you know look dude how many mistakes you made well, all of them me too yeah. so like that's part of you know that's what i was talking about a little Calm bit tuition payments though yeah no mistakes yeah because you can't learn this shit in that's college that's exactly that's right. a tuition payment. dude that's exactly right yeah. i say all the time man there's two things you need to be successful it's, it, there's only two one is you have to possess the ability to, to learn from your mistakes yeah you could make a mistake twice but you shouldn't make it three times yeah okay and if you have the, if you have that, if you have enough, if you have enough ability to recognize your mistake, learn the lesson without making it more than twice, and you have the ability to not quit, you can fucking do anything. Those are the only two things you really need. And I know this because I don't have anything else. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But dude, how the fuck did your big ass play attack? I would. So I, <laughs> I was shit, a, bro. Yeah, I was an I was an athlete. Yeah. Um, and I and I was yeah I was. I was quick and yeah. back then you could jump the crease and that yeah. was one of my major moves. Yeah. I was a basketball player, so yeah. I applied my basketball skills to lacrosse. Yeah. How tall so, are you? You're pretty tall. I used to be six, like six three, but yeah. I think I've shrunk yeah. since then. Yeah. I, 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 six, three, old. six four. Yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> two 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 bulging discs and degenerative disc disease yeah. and you know, meniscus is gone and yeah. labrum's gone and yeah. ankle's gone. Oh man. <laughs> Lots of reconstruction. You were an athlete. Yeah, oh yeah. No, I I, I played, you know, college football and stuff. Where'd you play ball at? Just at, in Maine. Yeah. Yeah, it was a one double A. But what, what, uh, what position? Tight end. Oh. Athlete yeah. with the hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so. But um, but lacrosse for me was, uh, I still I still wish I could go back and do it all over again. It Such was a great sport. Unbelievable yeah. sport. The I, best. The only sport you can play with a weapon. Yeah, dude, not only that. <laughs> dude, and like I always tell people, like I hit motherfuckers way harder in lacrosse than I ever did in football. Yeah. And I play fullback and middle linebacker in football. Nice. And, and. Bro, you, dude, you as a big athletic person, you get to lay some fucking hammers on people in in, in lacrosse. Yeah, that's the only thing I was good at, bro. Yeah, it's such a good sport. But um, but I think he would be a he'd be great to have on, and he yeah. could tell that he could tell that story. And he's uh, for me, like he's my um, he's kind of like my my mentor now, and he keeps it really real with me, like really real, but. Dude's a dude's an absolute. Savage. It probably gives you a lot of confidence with where you're going to take the brand too, though. It does because he He's already, already sees it. Yeah, he already sees it. He's like Pete, like not and not not in a not like in in a humble way. Like, yeah. there's absolutely a trajectory. It, you know, I don't know if you've got ADHD. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a kid. My mom didn't put me on drugs, but like I'm the same way. 
you see patterns. He sees patterns. I'm sure you see patterns. Mm -hmm. I see patterns to things. He was able to build, um, and, I'll, and I'll actually plug his new method and mindset class, because entrepreneurs that have built companies at that level do not make themselves available. No, they don't. And, and he is. But he was able to build systems and processes after seeing the patterns of being, a, of being the uh, officer of a public company, of the CEO of the company. He was able to put together a system to do things that he got his dopamine from with his ADHD personality and loving, loving chaos and organizing chaos. He created a different model and that's how he operated the company. And so he built not a billion dollar company. He did that five times over in, you know, in five different categories. Mm -hmm. So it, it, like what he was able to do, in, and he says, Pete, I lived 10 lifetimes in 20 years at Under Armour. What he was due is un, what he's done. What he did was undeniable. And so, when he looks at when he looks at us, he he sees the pattern to it. And so he's always like, he's already made the tuition payments. And so I know I'll make some still, but I don't want to make a lot more. You know what I yeah. mean? So he's You're always trying to keep him to a minimum. Yeah, he's always trying to trying to keep us on track. And and he does. He works directly with my my chief operating officers and revenue officers and CFO and directors of finance. He he, I embed him. Uh, I embed him with each department based on projects which he has autonomy over. Clark, carte blanche. He has complete autonomy over, regardless of who they are in the company. And so it's been a good. It's been good. Does he share the the vision? I, I'm sure he does because he's he's bought in with you guys. But does he share the same uh, take in terms of the tide and the wind changing directions in terms of? Hundred percent. Okay, good. That's good to hear. Hundred percent. Yep. He's like, I, I'm pretty confident, and I see the data, and because like I have this retail, we have retail stores called Supplement Superstores. That was yes. our first business, right? And that's where First Form was born out of. Yes. And we still have them. We have a, a ton of them. I don't even know how many stores we have now, but we, the numbers of this, we're setting fucking records, bro. Really. And the reason we're setting records at retail isn't because retail is dying. It's because people are changing their focus away. Like we did this poll. Uh, internally uh, for first form where we went and we polled our customers who had had shopped with us previously but hadn't shopped with us in the last 90 days yep. so we wanted to reach back out with them and figure out you know did we do something wrong or what could we have done better we wanted to find out what was going on the first the first reason was that that they were pregnant Okay, and that they hmm. were stopping using uh, supplements because they were pregnant and they didn't want to use them. That was the first reason. That's okay. That makes sense. Maybe there's lots of healthy ways to do that, but that's your decision. I totally get it. That was that was a reassuring thing. It, you know, it wasn't like, hey, fuck you. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? The second reason, and this is this is the this is the big reason, was that they were choosing to buy our products. They were still buying our products, but they were choosing to buy our products through individual retailers that were owned in their communities. I thought that was fucking awesome. Support their bro, local I, business. Yes, I thought that was fucking awesome. That's and crazy. He, yeah, even though I don't make as much money doing that, yeah, right. right? I thought it was awesome because yeah. it told me where people's minds are. That's a They're, good thing. Yeah, and I thought that was extremely valuable information. And it, and it's reflective in our retail company that's not affiliated with First Form because our retail sales are going way up. Yeah, And I think people are not shopping with the Amazons anymore. I, I think they still are because it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we still shop with Amazon occasionally, 
I fucking hate it. And I try to break that habit as much as possible. Yeah. But I think everybody's kind of in that same boat where they're still, they're still kind of doing it here and there, but they're making a concerted effort, which goes back to your question about the obligation. obligation of the consumer. Yeah. And I think Pete, you nailed that, bro, because like, it's not like this is a free country, man. You're not obligated to buy anything you buy from whatever, yep. but if you truly care about America and you truly care about what the things that we're talking about, there is a responsibility to be informed about where your money's going and where it's, where it's ending up. And as a brand, you have a great opportunity because I think the new model is direct consumer. There's an opportunity to make that real connection with the consumer. So they know not just where the money's going, but what it's being used for too. Like you guys built, built an empire here. That costs money. You got 400 employees. That costs money. Those 400 employees have families. They have bills to pay, mortgages, cars. You're growing, expanding. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a model that people should be exposed to. And that story should be told. And as, as a direct-to-consumer business, there's just a great opportunity to, to reinforce and codify that emotional connection between, between the brand or the movement and between the consumer. One thing I really like that you do well, that, that I respect, uh, you know, entrepreneur to entrepreneur, is you're, you guys are great storytellers. You guys tell a great story. And it's, and it's a real story. It's not, it's not a lie. It's not fabricated. And you do it in a way that's compelling. And even if I didn't know you, if I yeah. didn't know Jocko, I would watch your storytelling and be like, yeah, that's fucking I awesome. want to fucking support that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing, bro. You guys, are, you, guys are, you guys are one of the best, if not the best companies that I've seen do that. I appreciate that. It, it's, uh, and that means a lot, especially coming from you. It's, um, it's been kind of a, a model of, it was just from day one, we're like, let's just show the world what we're doing and the ebbs and flows of business. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. Let's not try to put a face on like in chest pound. Like we're gonna make mistakes. Like our first hundred or no, 200 geese, we made all the color washed out of them because we know what the frig we're doing and and the consumer hang on for that. But a friend of mine, Joe Massey says, uh, you know, fix the problem, market the fix. And I kind of took it a step further, which is just market the problem, market the problem, Mm -hmm. and then also market the fix. Mm -hmm. And that gives people the idea that that of of people should arm themselves with knowledge and education if you can show them the difficulties it actually the wizard behind the curtain is now like oh it's just a short man it's just like a small it's just a small guy pulling the levers so when you can when you can market the problem you create awareness around the problem hey we have a problem there's one denim mill left in america and the only reason it didn't get destroyed during the civil war is because the dude who owned the mill was a mason. So they shut it down and they kept it. And if they burned that mill down, as the Union Army went south, burning cotton, ripping up railroads, we actually wouldn't be able to make denim in America anymore. There's one mill left. It's a single point of failure. Single point of failure. That's crazy. Dude. It's insane. Yeah. So we, we were marketing and sometimes I'll like travel, be like, yeah, I just want to show you guys like why this mill still exists. And here's Here's the problem. It still exists, but it's the only one that exists. And we got we to gotta fix that. We got to create redundancy. So um, market the problem, market the fix, fix the problem, market the fix, whatever it is. We try to really own that every, every single day. You know, I think you guys are a great example too. You, you know that I do Arte Syndicate, I think, with Ed Milet. Yes. We coach yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs. And um, one of the things that we teach in there a lot um, that I think you're a great example of is 
it is telling a story about what your purpose is to your customer base to to build trust education loyalty uh and you know it's what's what i think is cool about because like what they always say they always say to me they're like yeah dude but you're in fitness you could tell these great stories of people transforming their lives true but you can tell a story as well about whatever it is that you're doing. It's going to have conviction. That, dude, you've taken something that if I said this, most of these guys would say, hey, tell me a story about jeans. They wouldn't, they'd be like, what's, what's cool about jeans? Yeah. And you've taken something that would be hard for most people to conceptualize in a, in a brand story and you've made it fucking awesome, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, that. no, it's, it's an you. amazing example. And so I think all of you entrepreneurs out there who, are, who, who struggle with, brand storytelling you need to pay attention to origin and what pete's doing and what the guys are doing up there because they're taking something that most people would have a hard time telling a story about and making it extremely compelling uh and it's true it's real it's it's not bullshit it's real shit and like if you could tell a great story about fucking jeans bro what can you not tell a great story about and i mean that with a lot of respect anything i don't mean that with disrespect yeah any you can tell a great story about anything Th that's right if you if you believe in what you're doing yeah. And have conviction. I think conviction is like, is the most important thing. And if you're not, if you have the humility to, to talk about your mistakes, or I, like I said, I call them tuition payments. I talk about your tuition payments. People right now, if they want to consume real stuff and because they are smart, we talked about that earlier, they, got, they are smart. They're going to, they're going to sort through the bullshit. Like, oh, that guy is a fake. That guy's a phony. That guy's an actor. And that guy's for real. And I think it's, why more people that are real, like like you folks with like the top podcasts in the in the world, you're real, and celebrities are actors and they're fake. I think there's well, that's why they're that's why they can't even break in the top 100. That's why they can't break in, yeah, or even 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 product, yeah, you know, yeah. like that shit ain't working a, anymore. It's inauthentic, yeah, and then the consumer can read through the bullshit, and that's also part of the awakening. Dude, that's crazy you brought that up because I, I've noticed that too. Like in the, in the last three years, dude, like it used to be celebrities could just come up with shit. Yeah. And people would buy it. Yep. And that, I, dude, I have seen that fucking totally change in the last, very, very quick. Yeah, it's been recent. Yeah. It's like, I think people are totally rejecting. I, 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 here's what I think. I think that when celebrities came out and pushed that COVID narrative, and and made it seem like people were pieces of shit if they didn't you know these people calling you you know fucking telling you that you didn't shouldn't have your kids and you shouldn't you should be in a fucking camp grandma you should be out of society like when they came out when hollywood came out and did that to the average person in america they said fuck you mm -hmm. and we're, we're to that point now where like those people are learning that lesson painfully yeah because they can't sell the shit they were selling three years ago anymore Yep. Buying it. people are now like you know what those people are not us we're going to shop with us mm -hmm. and i think that's a great thing that's been happening the last three years i all in all dude i feel very hopeful oh yeah yeah i'm, I'm full of hope and i've like i said i've spent the last you know few years traveling all over the world trying to find the stories and the why and there's been a lot of it's not just america like manufacturing has been lost in in italy in england in france and scotland it's been it, it wasn't just us with the World Trade Organization that lost. Everybody lost. And everybody actually wants the same thing. Is that, is that, is that, is there a resurgence of this happening there too? Because I'm not aware of that. 
Um, I don't know necessarily if there's a resurgence, but I can tell you by the through our through our you know because we have that direct relationship with a customer like you guys do, the amount of people I get, like, gonna sound crazy. We have a huge fan base in Germany, mm. in Russia, in England, and these are folks that are like, I wish somebody would do this here. I'm not an American, but this American spirit and the Amer- the idea of the American dream is is what the world bought into. They 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 all bought into this idea of American dream. That's why so many immigrants came in here, mm-hmm. came here, um, and they want to continue. They want to continue to 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 buy into that as long as it's available for them to do so. And hopefully, we're just inspiring people to take an, the next step. But I think the effect America has on other folks in other countries is massive, and they actually see us going a different direction. And they're actually saddened by that. Like they're what like over there. Oh, I was, bro. I've heard a lot of that too. I, dude, they, I, they, I've heard this a lot the last three years. You motherfuckers better not lose because if you lose, we all lose. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was sitting with a guy. Uh, I've heard that from people in Europe and in South America. Yep. Yep. They, they We got to win. Yeah. Was, I, was, I was having a drink with a member of parliament in England and he was like, oh, man, what, what has gone into you guys? He's like, your politics are all, are all fucked up. You know, and it, it's just, and I was like, yeah, man, you're right. And he's like, he's like talking about America like it's still the colonies and it's like an exercise, you know what I mean? And, and when you step back and you step out of the trenches and you kind of look at us, you're like, man, we got some problems to mm-hmm. solve. Mm-hmm. And, this enti- and this world is actually... They need us to solve the problems. Because if we don't, we won't be first. Dude, there will be no first. There will be China, and then there will be everybody else. Yep. That's what it will be. And it will be a global, it will be a global surf system. They control production. That's it. They control production. And when they control everything. Pro- when they control production, what can they do to production? There you go. There you go. Off switch. They can turn it the fuck turn it off. off. They turn it anytime off anytime they want for any reason. Yep. You used the wrong yep. pronouns today. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, well, that's done. Yeah. That's a whole nother. <laughs> but, dude, how um, what what's in the future for you guys? In terms of, I mean, you don't have to share if you don't want to. No, I strategically. Yeah. yeah. Strategically, I'm just curious. You know, um, I I uh, been working on the in the background on, I want to build uh, America's future factory. There's, I have an idea for what America's Future Factory looks like and how to connect the worker to the consumer in a, in a, in a different way um, through the journey of the consumer. They bought a pair of boots and I want them to have full visibility into the blockchain of manufacturing that pair of boots, the hands that touched it, the why behind it, the sustainability of it. Um, at the same time, America's Future Factory for me is an environment where people walk into and they feel fulfilled with, you know, mass timber, natural wood and light and solar and geothermal and green roofs and, you know, a, uh, you know, uh, 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 not a preschool, but like childcare mm-hmm. and a cafeteria in a, in a home in, um, in it, in it being visible and available as a recruiting tool and as a way to drive uh, consumer behavior. Um, Almost like an experience. And it, it's yeah. gonna be an experience ultimately. Yeah. So 
at some point, uh, and I and it I know it sounds crazy, and you probably do the same thing. I work in ten year blocks. Yeah. So I work in three year blocks. Three year blocks. Yeah. yeah. So so like uh, our first ten years, we just completed. We 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 started building factory in my backyard with not two nickels to rub together, a bucket to piss in. In two thousand thirteen, we said, "Hey, here's a factory." We had a bunch of timber sawn out. We did an old school barn raising. Bought some old L bean sewing machines That's that were headed for the dude. scrap pile and started up a generator and started trying to sew stuff. And so now 2023 marks our 10 years of manufacturing. So I have a vision for the next 10 years, which is this factory and campus, similar, similar to this, a little bit different, um, but very similar. Um, and then eventually retail stores. I wanna I wanna be able to tie the consumer to the factory. So when you go into an origin out factory store in whatever Kalispell, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, or Dallas, you're purchasing a pair of jeans or a boot or a hoodie. And in the factory that built that is there, you can see the people making the product. Mm -hmm. And inside that factory will be a store rep that says, Hey, John, thanks for your order. And the factory says, thanks, John. And you have this emotional experience like, Whoa, I just bought that and they made it. And they just thanked me. That person takes a product home and they can scan a QR code and they can see the story of making their jeans and everybody it touched. And then they can communicate through social media with the person offline, let's say. They post a picture of their jeans. Now you have employees commenting on, yeah, I made that product. And you build this relationship. So it becomes about the people, not about the profit. And profit is inevitable. You're going you're gonna to drive a, a, a big business. We call it. A lot of people say, oh, we're building a unicorn. A unicorn is a billion dollar company. I think unicorns are soft and weak, so we call it a Yeti. We call it a main Yeti. That's what we're trying to do. Build a billion dollar company, not because that's the goal, because for me, it's the process in between. I just want to extend that for as long as I can, yeah. living in that process. But I know us building a Yeti, us building a billion dollar brand, I know the impact that's going to have on America. Mm-hmm. I know we're going to need, we're going to own 10 factories and we're going to outsource to Bro, 20 factories. Bro, you guys factories. are going to be way bigger than a billion. Yeah. So way bigger. That's the, you know, yeah. that's the, that's the, that's the dream. That's the goal. Um, and it's not a dream. It's just, we it's just vision. have to realize it. Yeah. We yeah. just got to make the, yeah. take the, the next steps. And in, in our word of the year at Origin is sequencing. And we have four initiatives, but the word of the year is sequencing. Everything we do will be sequenced. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's it. That's, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. Bro, That's I love it, dude. It's so it's it. funny. I don't know how much you talk to Sal. We have done what you have done, which is built a loyal customer base based around authenticity, trust, and the proper values that people want to support with their dollars. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're no longer fucking wanting that bullshit. No, dude, yeah. listen, man. They want uh, shit they believe in. Yeah, yeah they Real do. Talk. And and they want and they want that experience too. They wanna like if there's a an opportunity for them to go and see. Because because we're so disconnected from reality through this digital device, when you have that opportunity to go and see, it's like instead of going to Disneyland, instead of going on vacation, we're gonna go and we're gonna experience this. Mm-hmm. Like we found that with our immersion camp we have every year. We have people coming from all over the world to this camp every year. It's mm-hmm. it's only four hundred people, but it's four hundred people that are paying money to be there for a week to experience something. Yeah. yeah. Um and, and, and they're giving up a week of their life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's not just the money, man. Yep. Yep. You know, one of the coolest things that we do here at First Form is our Summer Smash event. Yeah. And we have, you know, we, we uh, basically, we have an event every summer where our customers get to come and we get to hang with them and, you know, visit with them and work out with them and, you know, 
press the flesh and all that shit, right? Yeah. And um, we one of the coolest things about that event is that when people leave, they take that home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When they come to your immersion camp, they take that shit home, bro. Yeah. And that's a that's a cultural change. And uh, you know, one of the things I've always appreciated about Summer Smash was that, you know, these people that come, they're not rich people. It's not it's not a bunch of rich people that come. It's regular folks. Yeah. And they come and they give up their family vacations, they give up their time for the summer, and they come to they come to spend it here. You know what I'm saying? It fucking means a lot, dude. Yeah. And it, it makes you feel it makes you feel proud that you're doing something that means at least that much to people that where they're willing to give up their time to come spend it with you. Yeah. It's, it's something that it, you know, it almost makes me emotional talking about because it's it 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 means something to us. You know what I mean? You guys are doing it right. Yeah. Crush right. your man. I walked into that locker room and you had the whole setup like yeah. somebody spent some time learning who I was yeah. to put that package together. Yeah. Well, bro, we don't know any other way, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know you guys don't either. Like it's it's you know, I think people get the idea of business and they look at like, you know, I think especially where we're at now, they look at us, they don't look at us maybe as a small company anymore. They look at us as a, as, as a midsize or a bigger company. And uh, the truth is, is that we're not, we're just a fucking bunch of small, regular people that are trying to do something special. Yeah. And um, I don't know any other way, dude, you know, like the first customer I ever saw was my, one of my friends, the second customer I ever saw, I completely fucked up, yeah. you know, like that's where I started. And, uh, you know, I don't know, man, I guess, I guess we'll see if we can do it or not, but uh, you can do it. Yeah. Well, well, well time will tell, but, uh, <laughs> we're, we're all in. Yeah. It is what it gotta is. Be. Yeah. Head first arms tucked. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No shit, dude. Well, bro, listen, man, I really appreciate you coming and visiting and being on the show and sharing with everybody. I know everybody's going to love this show awesome. and, um, just appreciate what you guys are doing, what you guys stand for. And, uh, if there's any way that, that I can support or, you know, we can support, bro. It's, you know, you just let us know. I appreciate it. Yeah, where where, where can people on. find you at, Pete? Where, where, social media? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, for the company, it's originusa.com. Um, and then on Instagram, it's originusa. And uh, I'm on Instagram too. I don't really like, like talk a lot about my personal Instagram. <laughs> it's, all about the, it's all about the business, but it's pete.origin Pete on Instagram. Sweet. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, brother. It. Yeah, thank you. Truly appreciate it, man. Awesome. All right, guys, that's the show. Make sure you share the show. Uh, buy some origin shit. It's really good stuff. I got gifted a pair of boots, and uh, I own a couple pair of jeans, and I can tell you for sure, and I mean this. I'm not just saying this shit. It's the best shit I've ever fucking had. Appreciate that. So, uh, love you guys. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Sleeping on the floor, now my jewelry box froze Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in the cold Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll Can't fold, that's a no, headshot, case closed